Welcome to the In Short Supply Podcast. I'm your host, Daniela Buda. Together, we'll hang out and discuss all of the things, but especially what we are actually in short supply of ourselves. Let's get comfy. I love your very cool mic, by the way. You look oh, so official. Thank you. Well, this <laughs> is actually like the more tame one. I um I had I I don't I think Frank put it away, but I had like a legit like Mariah Carey recording studio microphone that had like the little disc, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, I got it from my dad, um, which is surprising to no one. He bought it. I, I think say, I'm not surprised your dad. Yeah. I think I, I think I've told this, I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. He bought it. This is like three years ago, maybe, um, because he wanted to record himself singing karaoke. Um, I need to know why. Just just for fun. Just for fun. Um, He was like, him and my mom, there's been so many times. I wish I I was making this up. (laughs) I really wish I was making this up. Um, Where I would like be home when I was living home and be in my room or doing whatever. And I would hear them singing. And I'm like, what is that? And I would go into like the kitchen or the living room and they would be like positioned in front of a laptop with YouTube open of like karaoke version of blank whatever song and they would just be sitting there like following along and singing out loud and I'm not kidding you I would be like what what episode of like the twilight zone am I in when I was in high school this was like going back when I was in high school I remember leaving for like a party or doing whatever I was like all right I'll see you guys later they were doing this I came home four hours later I come back and they're still doing it and I was like I need to go to college or I need to move out or I need to like so anyway, the point is he had, he bought it for this reason. Um, I have videos somewhere on like a computer or, a, or, you know, a hard drive of him just like standing up, like he's in the booth, like he's in the recording booth. It's like the real deal. Yeah, like, real deal. I'm surprised he didn't like soundproof his office, you know? Oh my God. I'm also surprised he didn't do that. Yeah. So he, so when I was deciding to do this podcast, you know, over a year ago, I was like, you know, cause I literally figured this out through like, just like Google. And, um, it, I was like, all right, I need a microphone. And then I'm like, um, I know where I can get one for free. And literally like every like piece of equipment that I've needed, my dad has had from like, just like an impulse purchase. Of course he, I'm not surprised. Well, you know, you know, my, you know him. So, right. So this is what I know. I'm not surprised, but you know, what's so funny. Talk about like being in short supply. Like that like the older I get the more I realize like those are the things that you do now like the I like I'm turning into like an old person that I used to cringe at but like you know what your parents were probably having a great great time, time. They, they were probably enjoying themselves and just like giddy. laughing mm-hmm. and like giggling having so much fun like that's and you know, like it doesn't sound so bad now. It doesn't sound right. so bad. I'm like, I like to sing sometimes <laughs> leading up to the wedding now that like we're getting really close. Uh, if you ask Jorge, sometimes I'm like, okay, we are going to practice our entrance. He's like, you mean we're going to practice your entrance yeah, and yeah, yeah. on the couch? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Nice. And I like blast the music. I'm like dancing around the living room. Zoe and Jorge are like so embarrassed. Yeah. Even the and dog I'm, like, is like having the time of my life. Like those little moments are like the way that I feel the way that I feel about it now like looking (laughs) back like and you know just for some background um I have Lindsay here with me um Lindsay and I were college roommates 
um, which is like, doesn't that feel like it was like Eons 20 ago. years ago? Yeah. And it, I mean, if you really think about it, it really kind of was a long, a long time ago, relatively speaking. Um, but I'm just like, what? So I think about our like college experience of like, we would leave to go out at 1130 PM. And I'm I've like, I've gotten three hours of sleep. By yeah. And now I'm like, I want to have a great time and still be in bed by nine. Yes. We went, out, we, we went out to dinner last night for a friend's birthday, which was, it was nice because it felt normal mm-hmm. because I like, you know, again, we, before we got, before I started recording this, we were talking about being fully vaccinated. And I just feel like those little things of like, we can go out to dinner and, and with people who are also either vaccinated or halfway vaccinated or whatever. And like, kind of just feel like we're not doing anything wrong. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, we're not like, you know, like in the car on the way home, like, should we have done that? Do you think right. that there, do you think anybody got offended that I touched their menu? Like, you know what I mean? So, um, we were, I was having a conversation with somebody and I was like, you know, we had had dinner and they were like, Oh, sh- what should we do now? And I'm like, we should all go to bed. What do you mean? Sorry, what do you it was mean? nine, it was nine 30. And I was like, um, this has been really fun. Like, I like, thank you so much for this experience and opportunity, but like, I gotta go. I, I, now I, I'm going to bed. Yeah, I don't. And that like during the week, and that was part of the conversation too. During the week, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but we are like, if it's like 745, we're like, it's all, we can we do it now? Can we can we go to sleep now? No, we got to wait, right? We have to wait. We can't do it yet. And then it's like 830 rolls around and we're like, we can, we can start winding down. We can start like getting ready. Yeah, we can like go. Yeah, yeah. our face. Walk the dog and be done. Yeah. It'll be about and by like 902. We're like, oh God, like yeah. I, I can't hang. I don't think I ever really oh. could, but. That's just it. I never, there's like these little moments where I'm able to, and I have this one wild night and I'm like, wow, look you at like this. Filled, you filled your, 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 your cup for like That's two it. years. For two years. And then it's like a Wednesday and I have to run to Target and I'm like, oh no, that'll have to wait till Saturday. Yeah. Like, oh no. I can't go somewhere during the week. Once I'm home, I've realized like, especially during the week, once I'm home, I am home. Do not make me go or do, do not, Hey, you want to go? No, no. I don't want to do it. I'm so, I, I, I was with my, my best friend, Sarah. I think, have you ever met Sarah? I like know your friends, but I don't yeah. really know your friends. That's exactly no. how I feel. Like, you, you know, it's so funny. I think <laughs> that like you and I, like our worlds collided right away of like, you lived in the same town as my, as like my family members. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, sorry, I just got distracted by that. Um, he lived in the same town as my family members. That's how we figured out that, you know, I don't, did we, we didn't talk before we moved in. Right. Yeah. They had those like Facebook pages. I don't think, I don't think so. I think it was kind of like, there were some other people who like, I think we lived right next door to each other, actually like freshman year. It was, wasn't it across it doesn't, yeah, it was, yeah, we like you, those dorm rooms, how did we do that? My mom still to this day, I can't believe I lived there. I, those dorm <laughs> rooms were scary. 
They were. Was, remember, like, the bathrooms would have, like, that, like, one flickering light in the shower, yeah. like, for the showers, and it was, like... Really gave the full effect. Yeah, is it, is it, like, today I get killed, or do you think it's next week? Like, yeah. I used to avoid... This is not... This is disgusting, but, like, I used to avoid that shower, like, the plague. Like, I would be, like, yeah. I can wait. I can, I can wait. I don't I have, have to. wait for another one to open. Yeah, I can just... It's fine. It, we used to like go. Remember, it was that dorm was like what four floors or three floors? We used to like go try to find the good bathrooms. Yeah. How do we live? Can you like imagine that? I can't live like I. We like, okay. First world problems. In yeah. my house was that we needed two bathrooms at yeah. least. Yeah, that's us. Too. And like to think that I lived there. Right. Well, this is like a first world problem, like through and through, because it's just yeah. like listen, like okay, there's people who have it way worse, but like. For us, you know, I think that we had like a culture shock in the sense of like, I never, I ne- I did not think that I could handle like a communal bathroom in that way. And oh. then now I'm like, I still can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that and would never again. Wearing flip flops in a shower. Never. Never. Nope. Have, remember we used to have those like little shower caddies. Caddies. Walking around like. In your towel. Yeah. And oh like, no. And that's the thing, like what like in a hallway that looks like it's like you know like a doctor's office like all like a fluorescent lit hallway yeah with people just walking around doing their stuff boys like and we're just like hi just gonna go cleanse my body guys just give me a minute like so gross I know I think now again like with COVID like I just think everything is gross (laughs) so I'm like I'm like why did we ever do that um, but anyway, there was a point to this and I don't remember what it was, but, um, we've known each other for a long time. Oh, that was the thing. Like we've known each other. And then like our, our world have collided. Like your best friend did, did, uh, my makeup for my wedding. Like Liz just was on the podcast and like, it's just, I feel like there's like this, like, I don't know. It's, it's such a small world. Yeah. It's such a small world, but, um, but yeah, it's been, so I've known you for what? 10 years. I was just about to say it's 2021 and we started college in 2011. So yeah, that's crazy. Do you know that I still remember like that, that whole like first weekend of like being in school and like, remember we had to do like the, um, like the volunteering, like the community service, like our first weekend in college. Yeah. And we were all like, I don't want to go do that. Like, I don't, cause you, it was forcing you to talk to people you didn't know. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't like, we were so resistant of like actually immersing ourselves in the college, like experience. And then if you remember that first weekend that we were in school, there was a hurricane. Do you remember this? Yes. And we were all like, do we go home? We just moved in. Like, what do we right. do? What do we do? This is our first hurdle to like. Yeah. And I remember being, I didn't, I didn't sleep our first night. Remember we walked to Dunkin' Donuts at like 11 o'clock at night and all got like iced coffees. Cause we were so cute. And then none of us could sleep because we were stressed out, nervous, overwhelmed, and then overly caffeinated. Yeah. Genius. Well, if you remember too, like two weeks before we moved in, my roommate decided she was yep. no longer moving in. You had nobody. And- I had nobody and I cried for like the first week. I remember you saying like, oh, this is, you know, this is great. I mean, I I have my own room, but then like underneath the surface of that being like, well, everybody else is having this, you know, roommate experience where they're bonding with somebody and you weren't having that. And I, I remember being like, okay, like this is terrible for, like, I felt so bad. And, and I think that's actually how 
our little like core group got closer because it was just like you were everybody's like honorary roommate. Yeah. And then yeah. you're uh, and then you had a roommate and then didn't, didn't she have be a left? Yeah, yeah. She yeah. Came back ultimately. I don't I don't remember why, but she was there for like the a first semester. Yeah. Or was it a, a I think she was with somebody else the first I don't know. Yes, but then you're right. You're right. Back. Right. And then I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Yeah, but then we moved into like the actual livable dorms our yeah. next year or yeah. And then things changed. And then you and I became real roommates. Yes. That was, that was our, was that our fr- sophomore year or junior year? Wait, actually that was junior year. Junior year. Cause I lived with Caitlin and then two like people we didn't know because we got yeah. like shoved into like a random room yeah Yeah, but either way we I feel like no matter what we were all roommates like it's just the way it all went down uh that was you know I think that sometimes it feels like it was yesterday and then other times I feel like it was like a whole lifetime ago and we all like you know there was a lot of growing up that happened there was a lot of you know uh, we were talking about this before too like our college was so small and you know that came with the pros and the cons but ultimately like and I think that's where people, like, when we were that age, we would, we didn't think about it. But, like, we got such a good education. Yeah. And that's that's something that I think, I think kids now think about it more because they're more aware of, like, college. Like, I see with my own students, like, they have, like, a good head on their shoulders for the most part of, like, I want to go to a school because of that. Um, yeah. But I think looking back, I don't think I thought of it that way. And I, we always like, I, at least me personally, I was always like, oh, this school, you know, it's so this and that. And then when I left, I was like, well, actually, like, I did feel pretty prepared. Yeah, exactly. Like, I felt like I knew what I was doing going into the workforce and like growing up and um, kind of like we were saying before, too. It's so funny, like we both can agree that that's like where we belonged, but not only academically, yeah. but like socially, like hundred percent. I'm not like literally my worst nightmare is like, I wake up in a Rutgers frat house Never. and I'm in a bathroom with a dirty toilet. Like that's my worst it's nightmare. Like a, with like beers in the sink. Yes. No, and never. The tub. like, ew, no. like I just, we couldn't even go. We couldn't even go to like, remember the baseball house? And we were like, this place is really dirty. No. We have to I'm go. I'm like, no, please. Like nothing about this is entertaining for me. Like no. I like this. Even when I was in college, even when I was like younger and those things were like, cool. I was like, I'm really not having a good time. Yeah. I, I think really we all, we all were really good at faking it. <laughs> I, um, and that's the thing we said before too, like I could never be at like a Penn state. I could never go to a school. Oh, like no. I had to take a shuttle to get to the, the building I that I had know. to do that. Like, it's just not gonna, it just doesn't work. There's no way that I would have been able to do that. No, no way. And I think that, I think like with our school, which was a small school and you know, with that, there were, like I said, there's, there was good things about it. Like I didn't feel overwhelmed being on that campus. Like it was really easy to like feel comfortable there. Um, but yeah, I think back then we were like, oh, we should have went to a this and you know, we, we, all the, you know, big parties and we didn't have that. And now looking back, I'm like, I didn't even want that. No, not one part of me. Like, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to this place and this bar and this club. And we were like, we have two bars that we can go to. One is Cleveland's. The other is ringside. Your, your shoes will stick to both floors. Yep. When you get in. 
Close your eyes. It's the same experience. Yeah. yeah. I think about, uh, I was thinking about ringside yesterday because I was talking to somebody who they were talking about all the bars they went to in, in their school and how it was this and that. I was like, oh, ours was um, for the regulars. Yeah. The regulars and, of the town, the yeah. towns. Yeah. And um, we didn't care. We were like, that was fine. And it, and the best part was, you know, in walking distance, we would go and then remember we used to take the back way and we would sneak into Calandra's yep. and steal, um, not that I condone this, steal um, loaves of bread <laughs> while they were no, cool. I don't think we were stealing them. I think they were willfully given to us. Sometimes I would, they would even make us pizza. Yeah, like, no, that was. That took effort. Yeah, that did. We would just go yeah. in and be like, hi. Can you feed us? Yeah. Um, well, you worked there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. I, I was actually there. College. I was there not too long ago for dinner. And I literally was like, I went to school right there. It's on the campus. And I had never been to dinner there. Really? Never. Oh, my God. I literally worked there from the weekend we moved in. Like, yes, I, I remember. You got the job immediately and my last day was like May 1st or something yeah. of 2020 uh 2015 so I, I literally think, worked there all throughout college yeah and I think that I when I do think back to experiences like that we all worked all of our group of friends like we didn't just like sit around I feel like we all had like I worked at Harmons and you know us other like babysitting or other people worked at Calandra's like yeah we were like we were all like I don't want to use the word like busy because obviously we were in school, but like we all had like a really good um, head on our shoulders, I think, yeah. in that experience. Um, and I think we also just surrounded ourselves with people like, you know, like minded people. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we go we go way back, which is which is fantastic. And I think that um, I think that like college friends always have like a a certain space in your life. Like even, you know, for us, like there's pockets of time where like, we haven't talked to each other or I haven't talked to so-and-so, but like when you do, it's like, it's, it's just a different, um, dynamic that I always appreciate because it's like, Hey, you watched me throw up or you watched me cry or, you know, you were there for me during that really hard time. And because we literally were living in the same space, I think there's a big difference between your friends who are your friends and your friends that you're sharing literally every day with. I think the coolest part about the college experience in a very um, like simple way is you're always surrounded by your friends, no matter what you want to do. Hey, you want to go get food? Hey, you want to go study? Like always someone. And I think that there, I don't think that I appreciated that as much as I look back and probably should have. Um, I mean, it did, it came with its fair share of, you know, issues and drama and, and stupid stuff like that. But I think that, um, now looking back, it's like, you were surrounded by people all the time. Like you were never alone, which is a nice feeling, yeah. especially during that age. Like that, I, I struggled so much in college with um, my anxiety and depression. And I remember my, our freshman year, I lost like 11 pounds. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And I was so thin and that was like a really hard time. And I think back and I'm like, thank God, you know, like I wasn't alone in that time, which was nice, but I also 
you know, I was dealing with things that nobody knew about because I was embarrassed. Like, oh, I have this, you know, not obviously it's not Frank, but like I had this boyfriend who had a bunch of issues and I didn't want to tell anybody. And I would run home every five seconds. And it was like, you know, I I don't think, yeah, it was a lot. And I'm like, how did an 18 year old do that? Because me, that's what I'm saying. Like for you at that age, like that was a lot for him, obviously, but that was a lot for you to, I don't think I never processed that. And that was years. That was up until what, like our sophomore midway through our sophomore year, I think where I was finally like, guys, I can't do it anymore. And that would, that led to, you know, other problems and, you know, being somebody who has, you know, who suffers from tremendous anxiety and and depression and and things like that. Like now I have the tools to, to figure that out. But back then, no way. And I don't think, I don't think any of us knew how to navigate that. Even like from you got from, I I don't want to speak for you, but like from your perspective as the friend watching it happen, it's like, well, what the hell do we do? Like, I don't, I I can't help her. And you know what's weird too is like looking back, we think that now, but I think in the moment we're like, yeah, you're totally doing the right thing. Like, yeah, you should be like running home. Like, yeah, like they need you there. Like, and now looking back, it's like, wow, like I was killing myself. So who did I even think I was showing up for this person? Right. And what was I really doing for them? Like, I'd be like, guys, I drove home at one o'clock in the morning last night because so-and-so was having a really bad night. And you're like, oh, that's so nice of you. Meanwhile, I think right. now I'd be like, are you crazy? You right, exactly. Like in the moment though, you're yeah. like, yeah, this is the right thing. And I think that that just comes with any territory of like an intimate relationship. Like you yeah. always kind of like want to be doing the right thing. Yeah. And it's not even like to say like, oh, wow, looking back, like that was a terrible choice. Like I still think in that moment with the knowledge you had and the skills you had, like you did what you could. Yeah. And, you know? and I think, and I appreciate that because I think I, I do give myself some credit for that, those years, because it was like, you were 19 years old and right. you, you had to deal with so much. And like, I don't think that, um, I don't think I realized it at the time. I think I was just like trudging through and like, this is what you yeah. do. This is what You're you do for like, somebody that you love. Dog. Yeah. And then it was like, you don't bail somebody out of jail on Valentine's day at the Caldwell police department. Right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And it, but you know what though, in that time with the knowledge you had at the time, like you did what you could and oh, now yeah. you know better. So you do better. And yeah. I don't think you did anything wrong ever. No, no. Well, I, yeah, I think that, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's questionable, but we will talk about that on another day. Yeah, I think that there were, I didn't know how to grieve when it was all over. I'll just leave it at that. But um, anyway, so with that, you know, with all that trip down memory lane, mm-hmm. um, I think that I, I'm so happy to have you here because <clears throat> this really, I think this episode is it's been a long time coming. We've been talking about it for so long, yeah. but I think that there's nothing more like prevalent right now than having this conversation about mental health, because even now, like even just speaking about a memory from 10 years ago, it's like, you know, you have that different perspective. You have now, you personally have a different mindset now in the profession that you have over, you know, being a 19 year old you know, um, kid really essentially. So, um, so Lindsay that I have here, um, the correct like 
you know, uh, profession term is therapist. You are a therapist, right? Yes. Okay. So I am a therapist and also I'm really excited to be here and like chatting with you, not only because we just like have need to catch up, but because right. I think it's so cool that you think I have something good to say. So. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> literally every person that I have on is like, I can't believe you asked me to come on here. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm like, why? And that's, I think that speaks a lot of like, a lot to like people not take, like not giving themselves the flowers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, like you, Liz, who I just had on, um, who's like doing amazing things. And she's like, I, I don't, know. before we were recording, she was like, I really don't think I'm going to be good. And I was like, what are you talking about? She like, has no idea. Like, yeah. incredible. I'm like, you yeah. are doing amazing things. And like, I'm so impressed. And, and then like, I have, I've, I have other episodes that are going to be coming out and I have ones that I've done in the past. Never, every single person is like, I don't know if I have anything worthy to say. And then they come on and I'm like, did you hear yourself? Because you were fantastic. <laughs> so I hope that helps. It does. It does. And I'm super excited and I do agree. Like now is a really <clears throat> good time. I think you know, even some of the stuff we were talking about before we started, like there's just a lot of simple things that seem simple to me questions about therapy and mental health and like how do I find a therapist that sometimes I need to slow myself down and be like I really do forget that people like don't know anything about this right and I I think that that's um people not knowing about it is almost like a like a protection of themselves like if I don't find out this information then I don't have to admit that I need this information yes and then then, all of a sudden one day you need it bad that's so you know I don't want to like kind of like lose our, our our train of thought but I when I had reached out to you last it had to be last like January ish um I had hit my breaking point with just some things that were going on and I was like grasping at straws as to like, how do I get myself in a, in a better place? Like, yeah. and I needed, and I did not know how to find a therapist. And I was just like, do I Google it? Do I do this? And I reached out to you and I was like, I, I hope I came across like poised and then elegant, but I was like, help. I need somebody right now. Like, absolutely. Because and you're not the only person. And I've noticed like so much more, obviously, since our world has been like crumbling yeah. around us. Like I get those texts. Has it? I haven't noticed. <laughs> but I get those texts like more often than I used to of these like friends, family, like family reaching out for friends. Yeah. Like people are just like, hey, we need help and we don't know where to look for it. And again, it's something that I have to remind myself, like I guess isn't common knowledge. Yeah. But I'm like, wow, it's, it's sad how many people just like are in that place that can be really scary and crucial and sometimes dangerous and right. don't know what to do. Someone's like, in crisis and they don't even realize they're in crisis. Yeah. I, um, and I, as you were saying it, that it's scary that people don't know, because if you needed a dentist, you would just find a dentist. If you, and need- you know what though, I want to say to people, it's that easy. It is that easy. If you need a dentist, if you need a dermatologist, if you need whoever you need, what do you do? You call your insurance company and you get a list of names. That's you don't even have to call anymore. You go on the website, you type, you, you know, here's the insurance I have. Boom. Here's a list of all of the in-network providers. And I think that's, and you know, we can talk about it, but I think that when people think about therapy, they're like, I can't afford that. And it's like, no, 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 you can, because your insurance will cover it. 
Yep. And people don't realize that. And you know, what's funny though, I have to like speak for like mental health and the the therapist and social worker community. Like we're all so confused, like how society views us. Like when this whole vaccine started coming out and they were like, oh yeah, like healthcare workers are in group 1A. That was like the first premier group. Like we were included in that and we were surprised. We were like, oh, Mm -hmm. so now like you guys are acknowledging us as healthcare workers. Like we were even like, wait, what? Like I remember being in like team meetings and uh, I'd be like, yeah, guys, like we're on the list. And they're like, wait, what? The healthcare list? And we're like, oh yeah, like we are healthcare. (laughs) Yeah. Because, because you've never, because, you know, the world, unfortunately, doesn't think of it as healthcare. Right. And that like, that kills me because I, I think especially over the last like year and a half to two years, that's just kind of been like me getting into a better place. It's like, you know, what is this if it's not health? Because this, you know, starting with what's going on, you know, emotionally then changed everything for me physically. When I tell you I have crazy like acid reflux and inflammation and all of these problems and like, not that they've completely gone away, of course, because like acid reflux, but do I drink three cups of coffee a day? Yes. Right. Um, so, (laughs) um, but so much has helped, um, with just seeing someone. And I think that, you know, I, I just went to the gastro doctor, um, a couple weeks ago and, around this uh, September ish this year, um, I was like getting procedures done because I was having all of these problems and it was like, so, so annoying. And he finally, my, my doctor who I love was like, uh, do you see a therapist? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay. And I'm like, okay, what? Like you can't, what, what? And he's like, no, that's, he talked so much about like the mind body connection of like your gut, because like you feel everything in your gut first. That's why they call it a gut feeling, a gut reaction, uh, you know, and that that's like your, your epicenter of like stress. And then from there, that's where the emotional like connection is. So he's like, if you can get, keep like, keep going to therapy, keep doing what you're supposed to do. You're going to notice that like, your stress management is going to think things are going to change. And like, you know, I'm, I was taking all this medication for, um, acid reflux and like, I don't take medication. Like I, even when I was like, when we were in college, I was on medication for, um, anxiety and depression. I don't know if you remember that. I don't expect you to. Um, I had decided when I met Frank that I wasn't going to do it anymore because I felt like I was in a better place in my life. I didn't need to be medicated. Um, and I haven't been on that for, you know, almost eight years now. Um, you surprised yourself. You're like, wow, wait, like, and again, this is like, we were saying before, like (laughs) at the time you do the best you can with the resources Mm -hmm. you have. And at that time, maybe that is exactly what you needed, but I'm glad you brought that up because people are so afraid of medication because they think it's like, a long-term thing. Like they think like if I have diabetes, I'm going to have diabetes my whole life. So if I take medicine for this, this is forever. And people Mm -hmm. think that with their mental health and like, there's so much that you can do on your own outside of medication to heal yourself. It's hard work. It's a lot of work. It takes a long time, but like, there's so much you can do on your own that like medication is a, uh, 
I don't want to say a crutch, but it's something that helps you along. It's supplemental. It's supplemental. I think you don't always need it. Well, I think it's, I also want to be clear in saying that when I was on, when I got put on that medication, I did not see a therapist at all. My, my primary care physician uh, diagnosed me, excuse me, prescribed to me yeah. And I never had to see a, a, psycho- a psychiatrist. I never had to do any of that. I was just immediately put on um, medication, took it for like five years. Yeah. And then was like, okay, I don't, I don't really want to do this anymore. And then it's also worth saying that I took myself off of the medication, which I'm not, you're not supposed to do. Um, I, I suck. And um, then did not see a therapist for like five years. So, so that's the, so I don't want to be like therapy saved, they saved me, but like in this sense, yes, it did. But I also did not take care of myself in the way in which I am doing it now. I just decided I didn't want to be on this medication anymore. And then, you know, speaking of like hitting a breaking point, well, I wasn't really actually helping myself until I, I decided to do this. So I think that, you know, it's important to have that conversation of like, you know, there are different paths that you can take when it comes to your health. Like, you know, whether it's your physical health, your mental health, that I personally think it's just all health. I don't even, you know, I think that when you put the word mental in it, people are like, mm, no, that's, that's not me. That's selfish. So it's, it's, it's tough. But so, you know, so you are a therapist. When did you know that you wanted to be one? Because I, you know, my, do you, do you hear that? My Alexa is just talking and nobody's talking. No. <laughs> this happens all of the time. I'm afraid to get an Alexa because She's haunted. of that. She's haunted. I'm afraid of them. There's been times, I don't want to like totally, you know, lose my train of thought, but I, when I was working from home and teaching, I would be like, you know, doing my thing, whatever. And then all of a sudden it would start talking and I would get like this, this face and my kids would be like, did it, did it happen again? Did it happen? And I'm like, it happened. And it was always the same group of, it was always my same one class because I have four and they would be like, maybe it's maybe like nobody's, that's nobody's name in the class. I'm like, it's anyway, it's ridiculous. So anyway, so when did you decide, was it before college that you knew you wanted to do this or were you in school? And then you were like, Hmm, I think, you know, taking a psychology course, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So I actually remember (laughs) in high school, I went to like a little college fair or something with my mom and there was a ton of colleges there and we stumbled upon Caldwell and told me about this five-year master's program um, to become, actually at the time I was more interested. I thought I wanted to do school counseling, but Caldwell has a school for the master's program. They have school counseling, um, mental health counseling, general, and then art therapy. So I originally was intrigued by the school counseling program But either way, it was like the five-year master's. I was like, that's incredible. I want to get my master's degree. I want to do, I thought, guidance counseling. Um, So I was like, yeah, that's where I'm going to apply. So I guess I kind of of knew in high school. um, And it's funny because originally I thought I wanted to be a guidance counselor because in high school I had this guidance counselor who has since retired. She was like an older woman and I will never forget. She told me one day that I needed to get married, have children, raise my family. And once my children went away to school, 
then I should think about college. And I was, I was like, oh no. I was like, I need to go to school, get my degree and replace this woman specifically. <laughs> like, I was like, I need to help children because I'm sure like, there are- Like other- you're like a superhero. Like I need to save the, save yeah, the day. Yeah, I'm like, I need to save the day. Like oh what in God. the world? That was the last time I ever spoke to that woman. I got a new guidance counselor who helped me apply to college and do what I wanted to do. I can't but- believe it. Did anybody in your school like also have this counselor that was like, did you hear what she said? <laughs> I don't remember, but I just remember I was like, oh my God, like that's what mortifying. she said to people. Like, so that's what I thought I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do guidance counseling. And then I got into school and I learned a little bit more about what a guidance counselor does. And I was just like, that doesn't seem like what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So guidance counselors wear so many different hats. I mean, guys, I, I mean, I see it. I see it in my, yeah. in my school. It's crazy. They, they work so hard. Everything. They literally do everything. But I was like, you know, I don't want a part of my job to have to be very administrative and like making and schedules and like doing all that part of their job. Um, and I think the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I think I actually just want to do counseling. Um, and luckily, I don't know if you can hear Zoe. She's like whining. Um, <laughs> luckily, um, Caldwell had the five-year uh, mental health counseling track. And I was like, perfect. I'll just like kind of take a little divot and go that route. But yeah. So originally it was like guidance counseling because of that one experience. Um, I can't believe that. I I still can't believe it, but I, um, I also have like struggled with my own anxiety for as, literally as long as I can remember. And I was just talking to Jorge about this, how like, I actually can't remember. Like I remember being really young and in cheerleading, which we also share in common. But, oh, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like in cheerleading and freaking out about having to like take the, um, the bus to our competitions. Like, uh, and that was like little, I started cheering when I was like four. Now, I don't know if you compete at that age, but like. You used to do like the little like exhibitions. You would go for fun. Right, right, right. So like, I remember just like, even at a very young age, like being anxious about everything all the time. And now, you know, Um, it's so funny, not to interrupt you, but I think that now thinking back, I remember you, you know, we, but we did share that, like you, you were, you did have anxiety over things in school. Like, I remember seeing it and, and being like, you know, I don't know if I, and I don't want to speak to any of our other, you know, friends from college, but I remember being like, she gets it because I would, yeah. I would get nervous over like the dumbest thing of being like my, you know, remember when we had to like register for classes mm-hmm. and like, you had to, you know, sign, you had to get up in the morning and you had to do it on your computer and like, that would make me so anxious. Cause like, what if it didn't, what if something didn't work or like, what if I had to go to the office and do that? And that like things like that would, I, so I, you know, when you're saying you don't remember, you know, how it started, I, I can, I can remember kind of like on your behalf, at least in college that that was, it was, it was prevalent then as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, I always, have struggled with my own anxiety. And I was like, you know what, (laughs) I can get this degree and do this job and maybe I'll learn something for myself along the way. So 
I, I'm reading a book right now where it's so funny that you say that the, the narrator becomes a therapist so that he can like heal himself. And I just, and I'm like, that actually like, that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. you need to understand your own way and your own brain. And it's like, well, if I'm going to do it for myself, I might as well do it for other people too. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. So how, so, okay. So you went to school, you get the five-year master's degree from there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you work with kids at first? So, if I remember. Yeah. So I think like, the last time I saw you because we went to dinner, remember? Yeah. I that was when I got engaged. That was 2018. I know. That feels like such a long time ago, but I was working right around the corner from where you live, I think. Yeah. So I was like, oh, uh, where I grew in, in Old Bridge, where I, my parents' That's house. Right. Yeah. My parents' house. Bridge. So, um, so you get, I got my master's, which the five-year program turned into like a two and a half year program because I don't know how that happened. But anyway. Wait, what so, do you mean? Right. I don't know. They market it as a five-year program, but like you can't start taking master's level courses until your junior year. And you can only take like one or two at a time. Because oh, so you're, you're saying it was longer. Yeah, it was a little Oh, I thought you meant that like you did it in two and a half years. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> one extra year actually turned into an extra two and a That's half. That's what I, but, and I, I actually remember you saying that. So yes. Yeah, okay. I was like, like wait, what? how they market that. But anyway, so you get your, I got my master's. I keep saying you, I got my master's. And then from there, yeah. you have to then take this daunting state exam to get your license. And then I became an LAC, which is a licensed associate counselor. Gotcha. And then from there, you spend the next approximately three years working under supervision, calculating all these hours so that you can fill out a very long application and send a large check oh. to the state of New Jersey. And then <laughs> after those three-ish years, I became an, a licensed professional counselor, which actually just happened in like October. So it hasn't oh, even been a year yet. Yeah, it's awesome. So I don't, you know, it's funny though. I still meet with my old supervisor like once a month because we just love each other. I just love him. And now we just Great. meet. Like, and I don't pay him for it. We are well, just that's, like, yeah, that's when you become a teacher, you get a mentor. And, um, you know, I, I only, cause I had worked, um, from before I'm working, sorry, words are hard. Um, yeah, I'm like, what? I, I've only had one cup of coffee. Let's be honest. Um, before I started working where I am now, I worked in another school and I had a mentor there. And then, so when I, moved into this, the school that I'm in now, I only needed a mentor for like, they, they do it by hours. So you need like 40 hours of a mentor because yeah. I had worked in another school, even because it was a temporary position. Um, I only, you know, I worked with that person. And then when I came to my permanent position, they were like, Oh, you only need a, a mentor for eight hours. Um, and I was like, that doesn't feel right. It's so like yeah, it's literally like a day. So I'm like, um, I'm gonna, I was like, I'm gonna just, and you had to pay the mentor. So right. it came out of your check, which I think that's like so crazy. A first year teacher or whatever it is, like you need help learning how to become a teacher. So we, we're going to give you somebody that's going to help you and you have to pay them every week. And I'm like, yep. That's how it was for me. Yeah. Too. I'm like, what? 
weekly and you had to pay that person yeah. every week. I, I mean, I get it, but I'm just like, huh. So I know. you're making I, like not that much money because you just right. got out of college you're and like, now you have this expense. You're like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and th- so anyway, the point is I kept in touch with my mentor from, you know, where I am now, she's now, um, an administrator. So like, she's, she's busy, but I'd be like, hi, I know I don't pay you anymore, but can you help me? Like all yeah. the time. Um, uh, because you need that. You, and I think it's great that you still keep in touch because like you, I've been teaching for six years now and there's times where I'm still like, oh, I, I need, I need help with this. Like, and I think, you know, there's strength in that of being like, Hey, I'm going to ask for help and not feel like I have to, because I've been teaching for X amount of time or been in my profession for X amount of time. I'm this expert that Um, I have to know this. Yeah. I have to know this. I have no, that's one thing that I'll like give myself credit for. I have no problem asking for help. Just being like, I don't know how to do this. Consult. Like, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Like I I want want to be the smartest person. I want to be the one that's like, I don't understand what you just said. Can you please help me? Me too. Because like, what, what do you have to lose? I've never asked a question where someone's like, are you an idiot? What are you, some kind of loser? Why would you? <laughs> How dare you speak those words Why out loud? Why are you here? Yeah. Ugh. And that's, I think, I mean, how? not to get to- totally off topic, but this is the In Short Supply podcast where I get off topic every, every two seconds. How do you feel about imposter syndrome? I feel like... I feel that way. I I, I, I have think, that. I think I invented it. I think I invented imposter. I really do. Sometimes I'll have, and I hope none of my clients hear this because they'll probably question my abilities. But sometimes I'm like, why do they listen to me? <laughs> why? Why do these people do what I say? And then I'm yeah. like, you know, of course. Then I really do follow the thought, and I'm like, well, it's working. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah whatever they're doing that they heard me say is working. So maybe I think about that all the time with teaching. I'm just like, I am teaching these children like skills. Like, am I even doing it right? Are they like, do I even know these skills? Like like, there's been times where I'm like, are these kids going to get into college? (laughs) I know it's, and then they'll email me like years later and they're like, I got into my number one school. Thank you so much. And I'm like, well, it worked, I guess. I guess I'll just keep doing what I'm, I'm doing. I'm just gonna, I'm just, but like, you know what? I will, okay. I only have imposter syndrome when I'm around other teachers. I never feel imposter syndrome when I'm with my students. Like, mm-hmm. I think that there's strength in like, in that, you know, as as far as like, I I have confidence in that. When I'm around other teachers, whether it's like in a meeting or we have like, professional development workshops and yeah. everyone's talking about all these ideas and I, this and I'm like and in my head it's like boop boop beep boop 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 beep yeah and then they're like like you know what do you think and I'm like sounds sandwiches good for lunch I think sandwiches for lunch are a good idea <laughs> and they're like what but then but and that's the thing I think that everybody's really good at faking it mm-hmm. so I and like I know what they're talking about. Like I yeah. could, but I just feel so like crippled by the fact. I'm like, no, they're they're gonna think you're dumb. They're gonna think you're a dumb yeah. idiot who got hired because you had a nice manicure that day. That's right. that's exactly. the leg I stand on. I literally think I got hired because I had a really good manicure. That's what I tell myself. Isn't that crazy? It is. It is. But I there's a whole other issue. We can't. I can't talk about it recording. <laughs> um, but. I literally, I'm like, I think I got hired because the people in the, in the, in the room liked my nails. 
It's, you know, I, I do the same thing though. And I, I think that's, I think what you said is relevant for me too. Like in front of a client, I, I don't think I come off as not confident in what I'm saying. Right. And that's a part of, I think what makes a good relationship is that they do trust me, mm-hmm. but it is like in my peer, I do like a peer supervision with one of my practice, like the one practice I work at. And there, I, I mean, I'm working with some really incredible therapists, like people who are just like phenomenal that they don't even realize. And yeah, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, these people are so good at what they do. Like, I don't even deserve to talk to them. That's how <laughs> well, they feel too. They don't want to hear what I have to say, but then I will chat, yeah. like speak up and work through that. And they'll be like, Oh, I'm going to write that down. Like, I'm going to use that with this. And I'm like, and you're like, are you sure you want to no, do you're that? Not. Oh my, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't write I, that down. There's been so many times where like, that's a, that's such a great idea. And I'm like, I think they did that on purpose. I think they realized like, and that's the thing, like, why do we do that? Like, I actually, why does somebody do that? Yeah, just I'm, like, I'm listening to a book pressure. right now. It's called um, Professional Troublemaker. And it's about the chapter that I'm on right now is about imposter syndrome, where this person, um, you know, she got invited to the author got invited to um, speak on like Oprah's stage in one of Oprah's like events. And she literally was like, it's a fluke. She doesn't, you know, and she's like, and she had to like sit there and go, no, 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 no. Oprah asked okay. you to be on her stage to talk about whatever it was. Right. Like you are not an imposter. That doesn't just happen because of a good manicure. That's not like like <laughs> that's not like luck. That's not, yeah, that's not a manicure. That's not like, you know, you had a cute outfit. Um and but it made me think about it. Like, you know, in this career or any career, you know, but for me personally with with teaching, there's so many pressures, whether it's like personal or, you know, outside factors, family, community, administration, like there's so many things that go on where it's so easy to, to be like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Like, yeah. am I even making a difference? Because there's so much, you know, bureaucratic stuff that goes into it as well. Like if it was just teaching, I would be golden, but it's like, right. you have so many different things that you have to worry about. And it's just like, does it even matter? Like, I don't even think I'm good at this. And then like something will happen. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Wait. You know, you get an award or, and I don't care about awards or like, you know, accolades or anything like that, but like something will happen that I'm just like, oh, well, maybe I I know what I'm doing. Maybe (laughs) like I, and this is, this is not, I'm, I hope it doesn't come across as like a humble brag or like anything as icky as that. But like, no, when I, you know, there was a time where like, I, I ended up with a group of two other teachers, we wrote the curriculum for what we're teaching now. And I'm like, idiot like you were able to do that like not like you know it was something that like took a lot of work and it wasn't like oh you're amazing at this write the curriculum like you apply for it and you you know you either get it or you don't I got it we we worked on through a summer we we wrote the curriculum for what we teach now and I'm just like yeah but you did that like you were yeah you were able to do that you were able to figure it out and it's you know it's just I think it's so easy to think that you're not capable because I feel, and I don't know, I feel like, where did that start? That did it start when you were a kid? Did it start when you were, you know, did it start? Is it, is it all our parents' fault? You know what I mean? Like, where did it start? I know. I don't know. And I think there's so many, it's hard to say because there's so many people who experience that same thing from so many different backgrounds with so many different Mm -hmm. levels of education. Like, 
So is it a childhood trauma thing or is it just like a developmental thing? Like, I don't know. Environmental, is it? Yeah. Is it just like, is it, are we all just supposed to feel this way all the time? Because I I don't know if I can... But and I also I, I would be curious to to ask other people like I would love to ask my husband like do you have this or like when you go to work are you just like I've got it because I feel like he, his answer would be like oh I think I'm really good at what I do and like I know that I am yeah there's a lot of people I feel like there's a thin line though between <laughs> like just feeling confident in yourself and in your ability to do what you do and like to pick yourself up if yeah. you do stumble and then people who are just like yeah I know everything. Yeah. Which well, is like a problem. That's a, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. That like I don't, I've met your husband literally, I think one time in ShopRite and I would never get the impression that he's the person that's like, oh yeah, I'm the best. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I, I meant it more of like, I think I meant it more of like, he, he, he is very talented at what he does. So it's like, he, I think he has the confidence in that, but I also think that he's, he, I've seen him also be like, he, he's not afraid to ask for help. He's not right. afraid to, there's been times where he's like, oh yeah, I'm not, whatever the job is that he has to do, you know, he will say to his supervisor or whatever, like, I'm not doing that alone because I don't know how to do it. Right. Exactly. And instead of somebody like there's other people that he works with that are like, I'm amazing. I'm going to do this. And, and then they, he, like, does, it up. Yeah, he does hands-on stuff. So it's like, yeah. you can't afford to be arrogant in that setting. Right. Like, you care that there was this, and I, you know, let's hope that they don't listen to this podcast, but there was somebody that, um, did something very stupid there. They were, I think it was like a, a water heater or a boiler or something like that's like a million pounds. And you need two people to like, they have like a lift that you put it onto so that like, it'll yeah. like go up a flight of stairs or down a flight of stairs, but you need two people to like, at least to hold it. So to make sure. And the guy like did it by himself. And I, and like, I personally was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard because that's somebody saying, oh, I'm amazing. And I don't need somebody else. We're normally like, he could have been killed because if it fell on him, you know, as he's guiding it down this flight of stairs, he would have died. So it's like, you know, are you that incapable of asking for help? Right. So, and I think it does come too from like anxiety. Like we're both saying insecurity and these anxieties and these insecurities about like someone maybe like your husband who's confident in himself and also just, okay, like, okay, something didn't work out. Like, and I need to ask for help and that's okay. I'm like, oh my God, something didn't work out. How, what am I supposed to do? Do I just, what I've been planning for, I knew this wasn't going to work out. Yeah. I think it's more so like a factor of anxiety that comes in with when it comes to imposter syndrome that it's like you're anxious that something's going to go wrong. You're convinced something's going to go wrong. If it doesn't go wrong, you're convinced it was just luck. And if it does go wrong, panic attack. Like, yeah. So you're I think so right. it's anxiety. I think it is. it's more that. And I think that that word anxiety gets thrown around so much. And I think there's a huge difference between, and this is me personally, I don't know if this is like a real thing or not. There's a huge difference between like being anxious, like having anxiety and then just also being nervous about something. And that's where I think that a lot of people that I know personally or like students of mine are always like, I'm anxious. I have anxiety. I have anxiety. And I'm like, about what? Like, tell me what you're anxious about. And they're like, oh, about my test. And I'm like, no, you're not anxious about your test. You're nervous about your test. Like, you know, you're still able to function. 
you know? So it's like, I think that for me with, you know, imposter syndrome and anxiety being put together, I think sometimes it's super debilitating because it's like, you know, and I think that that's the difference that I, a lot of people, I don't think are able to reconcile. Like anxiety is, I'm not, not all the time, but it can be so debilitating that it inhibits you from like doing the thing you need to do. So like if you have imposter syndrome, it's like you have to get this thing done for your job or for whatever it is, but you're so debilitated by thinking you cannot do it because you're not worthy of doing it. Where do you meet in the middle? Because it, you know, it's like you're, you're losing on both ends because you don't, you're the confidence never plays a role because you're so anxious about it. it. Right. And it's, it's, I just, I think that you know, it's so hard to, um, to almost like justify a lot of the feelings that you have, because it's like, you're, you know, for me, I'm able to be like rational about it and be like, no, this isn't a valid thought. Like not everything you, you think about or not everything you feel needs to be real, but then also having imposter syndrome where it's like, yes, it is. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) you're like, well, you have like that little gremlin voice. (laughs) You can't do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you know, what's funny. And I think that I've heard this said, and I feel like such a, so like old saying this, but like, I've heard people say like, once you like get older, like a lot of that stuff doesn't matter anymore. And I don't know if it's because I like need to be perfect (laughs) or I need to be perceived as like the best therapist or whatever. But like, as I'm getting older, I'm noticing that the imposter syndrome is like fizzling away and like, I think you're right. Wow. What a coincidence. I'm getting older and I'm gaining more experience and I'm feeling more confident, but I also notice myself now again, as I get older, like my, one of my, my jobs that I'm doing now is like, yeah, like we're really open to different ideas. And like, if you guys want to do things like, please let us know. And I like propose this whole eight week group. And they were like, this is incredible. Like, we will do this. Like, we're going to like put it together. We're re- we want to do it. We're going to market it. And I'm like, oh, like, I feel like me three years ago or five years ago, if even a job at like Calandra's, like a waitressing yeah. job, if they were like, oh, does anyone have any ideas? I would never. Yeah. I'm sure I had ideas, but I would never. And now I'm just like, you know what? I do have an idea and here it is. And they're like, wow. And what's the worst that they can say? No. Right. But I feel like as you get older, like you're more accepting of no, you're more accepting of hundred percent. Like not even, you know what, you know what too is like, I think when you're younger, anything that's not yes is a failure. Mm -hmm. I fucked up. I messed up. This is wrong. I'm wrong. I'm bad. But then when you take the leap and you do like push yourself, you're like open more so to that like constructive criticism of like, we can do this. It might look like this though. And you're like, yeah, that's yeah, great. right. I didn't like, think of that. Yeah. And it, so. I think you're a hundred percent correct because, you know, and it's funny, you know, there's been times where I've heard those things where it's like, someone's like, oh, you know, give advice to your younger self. And like, you have these older people that are like, don't worry so much. And like, you know, don't care about what other people think. And you're just like, you know, what are you talking about? And then you get older and you're like, Oh, right. I get it now. I don't really care what that person thinks or like, you know, especially when it came to this podcast, there was, I had it in my head or on my heart for so long. 
And I was like, but what are, what are people going to think? Like if I post about it, is someone going to be like, oh, what is she doing? And like, I'm sure that that happened. Yeah. And guess what? Like, don't follow. Where are they now? Okay. Yeah. Like, and like, you know, I don't even know. I I don't even think I can pull a name, you know, out of my head, but it's like somebody that we didn't even know in college that follows me for the sake of following me. Like, do I care what they think? You know, last year I probably was like, but what if they care? And it's like, uh, and good for them. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> it's fine. Like, and you right. know what? I've been doing this for over a year and not one person has ever messaged me. Like, who do you think you are? So it's like, no, stop that. Yeah. Bond, how, how dare you speak? <laughs> how dare you speak with a microphone? Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> so, and you know what? Like the opposite happened. Like people came out of the woodwork that I hadn't talked to in years and they're like, this is so cool. This is so great. And it's like, oh, well, Okay. Like the world didn't stop. Nothing's on fire. Well, it's not, you know, the world is on fire for different reasons, but right. I didn't do not it. Not because of your I'm podcast. Saying. I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> cause the pandemic as far as I know. I'm not patient zero, but, <laughs> but yeah. So speaking of a pandemic, so, you know, so you went through, um, you know, all that, you know, supervision work and you, you know, you get to a place now where you're, you know, a therapist, how has your job changed in the sense of, I, and I know that's a loaded question, like, were you seeing, you know, patients or clients in person and then now you're doing it virtually? How were you always doing it virtually? Um, what's the experience been like over the last year for you? Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Like I remember again, like starting in mental health and mm-hmm. wanting to become a therapist. I, I always knew for myself, I was like, well, this is never a work from home job. Like I would never be able to work from home. Like teachers, I would never be, teachers could never work from home. Like I used to say, I literally used to be like, I wish I could work from home. I like the only job that can't work from home. And now I'm like, um, stop saying that. Don't ever say that again. (laughs) I know. So I, I could not even, I mean, of course I could imagine it, but I never imagined myself ever being someone who worked from home. So when so I, I guess I should rewind a little bit. So I actually am working at two jobs right now. So my one job is um, an intensive outpatient program. So we do a partial mm-hmm. hospitalization yep. uh, and I, program. Uh, unfortunately, and I, a lot of my students um, go to those things. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. um, that's like a much more intensive program. It's like five days a week. And it's like, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like, you can be in like in a therapy session for like four hours a day with the kids. Yeah. They have yeah. like different, I, it's wild. I actually had a, um, a, a boyfriend who was in those programs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like it's, it's a lot of group therapy. Yeah. So like if you're in a partial hospitalization program, you're going home, you, you don't have to live there, but you're probably there for about five hours a day. Yeah in groups, meeting with your therapist, meeting with potentially a prescriber, uh, like to manage your medication. But so that's my one job. And then my other job is strictly outpatient. So I just see clients for one hour, once a week. It's like a much lower level of care. Is this within the same company? Nope. These are two totally separate places. Oh, so you literally have two jobs. I literally have two jobs, but I work like full-time hours. Like it's not like right, I'm working right. 80 hours a week. I'm combined doing so you're, that. You're work. able to do that within your profession. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, cool. Exactly. Which I love because I'm not ready. Like I think 
in the therapist social worker community, it's kind of like a, a timeline of like, you start off in some of these programs because you're able to like rack up all of your hours and you get a ton of experience and like every day is something different. So when you're fresh out of school, like you're ready to go, that's where you Mm -hmm. want to be. And then as you get older, as you get more experienced, as you get fully licensed, um, the burnout rate in those programs are just so high because it's intense. I mean, these people are coming most of the time. If you find yourself in a program like that, you're coming from the hospital inpatient setting. And that's pretty crucial. Like you're in a pretty crisis situation. Right. So it's very consuming for you. I would imagine it is, it's a lot. So you can imagine like, (laughs) and there are people who work in that environment, their whole careers, they love it. They, they thrive there and all the power to them. I think that's incredible that they're able to, but for a lot of people, myself included, you start to burn out after a while. Mm -hmm. And it's important to like check that for yourself because if you're burning out, you're not giving your clients what they deserve and what they need. So So with burnout, as as a, as somebody who is a therapist and experiences burnout, did it take a while for you, if you did experience this to realize what it was, were you able to identify right away? Like I'm burnt out. No, not at all. It wasn't until I looked back. I don't think people are able to realize it either. Myself included. I don't know. I don't think I know what it looks like until I'm totally spent. Yeah. And burnout, I feel like honestly, for me, it took my fiance to like point out to me, like, do you notice that like you've brought your laptop home every day this week and you've worked not only before work started at 6 a.m. and then brought your laptop, worked all day and then also brought it home and like Mm -hmm. are working while we're eating dinner and like we're not doing any like not that it was like an argument, but it was kind of this moment where I was like, oh, like, yeah, That's not, like, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to do this. No. And I think it's confusing because burnout looks like I'm being productive. Looks like product. Yeah. I was just going to say it looks like productivity. Yeah. Like being burnt out. You're not burnt out until you're burnt out, but the road to burnout looks it's deceiving. Yeah. It looks like I'm an all-star. I'm getting all of my notes done. I'm emailing all the people I'm doing everything And it's, I think specifically, I know a lot of other jobs you can experience burnout, but (laughs) I'll speak for therapists in particular. It's like, it's really, really hard to draw the line because you feel like if I'm not going the extra mile for my client, nobody else is. I, I I can absolutely relate to that as a teacher. It's the same feeling. If I'm not giving 110% to these students, even on a Sunday, I'm a bad teacher. I, that's exactly the And I'm like, no, 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 no. I've had to, especially in this, this environment where we were virtual for so long, cause I'm in the building now, but, um, virtual for so long that it was like, they need me more. So I have to, I have to be there for them. I have to be readily available. You know, the, the school day ends at three o'clock, but yeah, I'll answer that student's message at 9 PM. And I will call, yeah. you know, I'll call the parent on a Sunday and, and it took, it took me like being in a really bad place to be like, no, 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 boundaries. Because yeah. when we started this, and you know, I, I get up very early 
regardless. So I, I get up at five o'clock every morning and you know, that's just my cross to bear. But, um, I, when we were virtual, this is last year. So this is like when it was really brand new, we didn't know what we were doing. I thought it was a great idea to get up at like three o'clock in the morning, get myself ready and like do things for my lesson and make sure everything was good to go. And, and then work from, you know, eight to three and then from three to six sit here, like in the same room from three o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night, doing everything for the next day, because we had to reinvent the wheel every day because we didn't know how to work from home. And then, so like a part of it was like, it was crucial, but it also didn't need to be what I was doing. And then, you know, six o'clock, then I'd stop and I'd eat dinner or I'd do whatever. And then I'd come right back up here from seven to 11. And, and it was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. What are you actually doing? Like, and then, then, you know, so yeah, I think that looking back, I was like, you are an all-star. You are doing so much for these kids. They're going to appreciate it. Everybody's going to be like, you know, and then in reality, it was like, was I even, was I even capable of teaching them that day? Because I was so like keyed up and so high strung, but also exhausted of like, you know, you were not, you can't, I I think I was trying to give a hundred percent to 12 different things. And therefore I was giving nothing to everything. You know what I mean? And now it's like, as far, I mean, I still have a lot to work on, but like, I really try very hard to stick to like, you start work at this time and you end work at this time. And any emails that a kid, cause the kids do their homework at, you know, like 1130 PM. And they're like, I don't get it. Can you help me? And I'm like, I'm going to see no. your email. That, and I don't have my email, my work email on my phone. I don't, you know, that's just something that like, personally, I can, I'll never shut off. Um, if I, if I do that. And, you know, I think that there's, I think you, you know, I'm a better teacher by not being always available to them. Well, you are. And like the first thing that came to my mind, and this is something that I learned through creating my own boundaries and you're setting them up for failure, right? Because Mm -hmm. if they then go into their real lives in the workforce and they decide they're going to do the very crucial project that their boss trusted them with and they leave it until 1130 at night and then email their boss for help, their boss is going to fire them. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. They're, they don't, they don't see it. They're also 14. They don't right. see it that they way. They don't see it that way now, but they will. right? But you setting those boundaries now in their lives and setting healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. right? You're not saying like, oh, no. don't ever email off. me. Like, every you know what I mean? Like <laughs> dare you. setting a healthy boundary for them so that they know the next time, Hey, these are my after hours hours. You can come for extra help between three o'clock and four o'clock. Right, if right, right. You need help with your homework. Last night you needed help. So it might be a good idea for you to, to sign up for extra help tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. But after four o'clock, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And, I, and that's you're the thing. helping them to like time manage healthy boundaries, like holding themselves accountable and mm-hmm. like being responsible for their own time. And they're so by actually setting the boundary, you're doing so much more for them. Then and being like, yes, let me, yeah, right. And I think you hit the nail on the head and I appreciate you saying that because, you know, I think um, teachers, I, I won't speak for any other profession, but I think that teachers wear burnout like a badge of honor of yeah. like, 
look how, you know, look how much I do where it's like, yeah, okay. You are a good teacher. And like, but you know, that this doesn't show that you're a good teacher. Like you can be a good teacher from the hours of eight to three. You can be a good teacher, you know, and that's, and that's the thing. Like I, and I, I made that very clear with my students as well of like, if you email me after X amount of time, like it will go unanswered because you have this, this amount of time to do it. Like we have an afternoon session where they can pop in and, you know, virtually, you know, get help. And it's like, if you don't take advantage of that, but then you need me at 5 PM, like, I'm so sorry. No. And you know, that's, they, because they're in this for a long time, they were in this virtual environment that translated into my teacher stays in the same spot 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like there was no personal, cause they hadn't met me. You know, they, it was this virtual relationship for like five months before, you know, I actually met them in person. So it was like, you know, they didn't, I didn't exist. And I think that's also, that comes with time. I think like kids, they think no matter how old you are, kindergarten to high school, like your teachers aren't people. And it took this, I think it took this pandemic to be like, oh wait, my teacher has a house and that's where she lives. And you know, when we were growing up, we didn't even know our teachers' first names. Right now, my students know what my guest room looks like. Right, you know what I mean. So it's, it's like weird. they, it. I feel bad for them because they, those lines have been blurred for them, so they don't know how to deal with it. They're I like, know. if you're at your house, that means you're also working, so you can help me. <laughs> right, like, exactly. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and it's hard too working with that age group. I was again having this conversation last night with Jorge about like well, that's just selfish. And it's like, no, like their brains are not totally developed. And they're a very crucial part of their brain that like allows them to think outside of themselves. That's just not there yet. Like they don't have that, like, um, like the reasoning, like they don't have the, the, like the making sound decisions. They're so impulsive because their brains are literally like, yeah, do that. Good idea. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. And everything is not in like a selfish, bratty way, but like everything revolves around them. Like the yeah. world revolves yeah. around them. Again, not in a way of like being selfish, but because they're like genuinely not developed enough yet to right. think outside of themselves. And that so, comes with, with maturation. And I think some, yeah. some of my students are like, they're there and they've been there since they were like 10. Another one, right. they're not. And I think that, you know, that's, that's why I think I get so frustrated when like, if I have like, um, siblings. So if I, like one year I have one kid and then a couple of years later and they're like, Oh, but they're not, oh, Johnny's so not like Jessica. And I'm like, because they're not the same person. Right. Like, and, and that, so I think you're right. That Carla have you heard of, I'm sure you have heard of, have you heard of indigo children or indigo kids? Yes. I've heard of it, but I cannot remember what it is at the, at this moment. Is it where I'm like just starting? I just recently heard this term and then, you know, when you hear something new and then it like pops up in other places too, but it's literally about indigo children. And this is like the very tiny little bit that I know about it so far, but like, they're those kids that you meet that are just like wise beyond their years. Mm-hmm. And like, they're like little grownups in children's bodies. They're like mature and just like, and I thought it was so rational. 
that's like one little sliver of what I knew about it and how it was explained to me in the context that it was brought up. So I'm sure there's much more to it. I, but might, it, I might just be thinking of something else, but that's very interesting because I already yeah. thought of like three people, three students that I know. Mm-hmm. Like that, like, I'm like, they're a hundred years old. Right. Like I have clients too, who are just now granted some of those clients were put in like life situations that like they had no choice but to grow up. But maybe that's the making of an indigo child. I don't know. But it's so interesting to see like how you can have that one student who repetitively repetitively emails you at 1 a.m. thinking you're actually going to help them. (laughs) And then the students who like politely show up at 4 p.m. and get the help they need. Or or very easily are like, hi, sorry to bother you. I I don't expect you to answer. But tomorrow, can you help me with blank? Right, right. Where did you come from? Because I love you. Yeah. And you know what? Thinking back, and I don't know if maybe I'm just like looking at it through like rose colored glasses, but um, I would like to think that I was one of those indigo children because I've always been like a hundred years old. And I think you're right. Or I think you're on the right, you know, maybe this is part of it. Like I grew up with, with sick parents I grew, I had to grow up very quickly, you know, when I, my dad was in the hospital all the time as a kid, or like he needed a transplant when I was in high school and my mom, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And like, I think that, and then, you know, being, you know, in emerging adolescence and your best friend dies. So Mm -hmm. it's like all of these things. And, you know, yeah. So I think back then, I think I had this awareness of like, some of the problems or things that people would complain about, I wouldn't be able to relate to because I'm like, yeah, I wish that I had that problem. My dad's in the hospital. Yeah. My dad's in the hospital. And they just told him that like, he need, you know, his, his, all his organs are failing. Like, I'm I'm so sorry. You can't go to, you know, Claire's at your school. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like, so I think that I think indigo that, that term, I think we're going to see a lot more of that because, um, I think, you know, we do a lot of work, um, with like the whole child. So we look at, yeah. you know, the education as well as the emotional and, and all of the stuff. And I, I think that, um, there's a lot to think about when it comes to, um, that like emerging maturity. And I think, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm just very interested and I'm also writing a note because I want to learn more about it. So I'm yeah. just going to write this down. Um, so, so you started working from home then. So when, when COVID happened, so did that look like with those groups of, you know, the group session that you have? And then of course the, the one-on-one sessions. Yeah. So we were just like this on Zoom doing groups. And like you said too, with like the whole, like you're, you know, you, you used to not know your teacher's first name, like week one, I was like in my clothes that I would normally go to the office in. I was like making sure I was in my office, which why I'm out here is actually a part of like something I will probably get to later about like kind of taking care of yourself and boundaries. But like, I was like in my office every time, dressed, hair, makeup, ready to go. And then like week four, I have like a crew neck sweatshirt. I did not wash my hair. And like- This is what I would teach like this outfit. Right, exactly, exactly. And um, not at the beginning. You're right. At the beginning. Right, like, at the beginning. Hey, everybody, this is so, and then, then I'm like, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> I questionably like 
don't have a bra on today because like, <laughs> you can't see. I would literally be like room. this close to the computer. Right. But, but I'm like, you know, on Zoom, you can like so filter, you can like crazy. blur out your face a little so it looks better. I yeah. would literally not wear makeup and do the blurring thing so they couldn't tell. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, so yeah, it was so weird for me. I never thought I would ever work from home. And now, I mean, still to this day, my last day in the office was March 20th. So That's you haven't been back at work. all. No, I haven't been back at all. But my other job that I just do individual like outpatient at, we're starting to go back actually next week. So I'll be so there three days a week. What's that going to look like? Are you going to have patients come in or are you still going to be virtual, but you're going to be in the office? We're going to be virtual, but in the office. Um, and that's just kind of like, because it's time. <laughs> you're just slowly getting us back. And then they're going to kind of like, okay, like now, how are we feeling that we're here? Like, are we ready to bring clients in? Like, how are we feeling about this? So I think they're just taking a very like slow and steady kind of approach to like, make sure we are all feeling good, which I really appreciate. Um, Are you looking forward? Are you looking forward to going back? Yes. I can't wait. Like I need to get out of the house. Like I love Zoe. I love spending my day with her, but I need to get out of the house. And what's nice is I do like my group stuff in the mornings and then I wouldn't have to be at that office until about two o'clock. Oh, that's nice. So I still have like half of my, more than half of my day at home and then I'll like slowly kind of integrate. So I think it'll be a good transition. And I also think it just like kind of on a very small scale, like it just like gives you something to look forward to. Yeah. Because I, like you, you know, in the summer I wasn't working, you know, obviously as a teacher and I couldn't fill my day with anything. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? You know, last summer was very, you know, you wanted your freedom because it was summer, but then you also were like, it's still COVID. Like what their outdoor dining wasn't really happening. And it was like, you know, that guilt, I I experienced so much guilt of like, Mm -hmm. do I go out to dinner? Do I, you know, do this, do it. And now like that's subsided a little bit just because, you know, I have, you know, we have more knowledge now and we have more resources and, you know, you know, you can kind of make your own decisions and and feel comfortable in them. But last summer it was like fear. You had fear. And it was before we had our dog and I would just, you know, we got our dog in June of last year. And the big piece of it was, you know, around this time last year when it was still so new and we didn't know what what was going to happen. And, you know, was I ever going to go back to work? Frank's busiest time of year is the summer. Oh God. So our schedules are literally opposite. So I'm free as a bird in the summer and he's literally working crazy hours. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his job blacks out uh, June to all of June to all of July. So he's not allowed to take any days off in June or July. Oh, wow. There's literally like, I'm like, I want to do all of the things. Want to go to the beach? Want to go here? Want to go there? And he's like, no. Yeah. Um, so that's actually why we got married in August because that was the only time we could take off. Oh my God. And I didn't want to get married during the school year anyway, just because I knew it would be crazy, but I was like a June wedding. And then I was like, he was like an August wedding. <laughs> so August um, wedding. an yeah. August wedding, the hottest, you know, month. Um, but yeah, obviously it worked out fine, but, um, so we were, I was scared, not scared of being alone, but like, 
it was going to feel so lonely, like being in this house, you couldn't really go anywhere. Like, okay, I can go take a walk around the neighborhood or I can like go to the beach by myself. Like how many times can you walk? Yeah. Right. I know everything that there is to know about my neighborhood. I know (laughs) I I could tell you the blueprint. I could tell you where like the potholes are. It's Mm -hmm. I've explored everything. Um, and like, it's still something that I like to do just to like get out, but I'm also like, look at the same scenery every day and it's it stopped like the novelty had had worn off you know as you know so I you know the big piece of like I was like not that he wasn't I mean he kind of was against getting the dog at first because like we don't have a yard we you know we work and it wouldn't be fair and all of these things and I was just like hi have you met me the most high strung anxious person on earth I need an emotional support animal. <laughs> I need something right. this summer because I was so like just in a bad, bad place because of everything. And I needed like, you need your companion and getting that dog. It was, you know, it was great because, you know, with all that going on, but I agree with you, like going back to work was the only thing that actually made me feel like a, a human. Yeah. It's like our, the biggest part of what makes your day normal and yeah. to not have that, like, you forget how important those little interactions with your coworkers are. Like right. literally, even if it's a five minute, like, oh, we both happen to bump into each other while we're grabbing coffee because, and we don't even have time to talk, but like literally just the presence yep. of another person is like, that you don't live don't know how much you need it. So, <laughs> right. Um, it's so crazy. yeah, it's, so you're going back, which is great. Um, so how do you, how do you feel or how did you feel? Oh, I guess still, how do you feel about doing therapy or doing sessions virtually? Do you feel like you're still reaching people or do you think that it's, it's hard, harder to kind of make progress? I think at first, um, you know, a lot of people were turned off by the idea because it seems like we can't do this. And then just got to a point where it was like, everything is this way. So why can't my therapist be that way? But there's a huge, huge component of therapy that's missing like body language. Like I need to see like, are your arms crossed or are they like loosely at your sides? Are you fidgeting with your fingers or are you like loosely holding your hands together? Like those things tell me so much more about how you're doing and where you're at and what you're experiencing while you're coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Then what you're saying, right? Like you could tell me something, but your body language is telling me something else. Yeah. So that's, you know, the hardest part right now of like really being able to connect with my clients because I do feel like I'm missing so much of the session. And I think they're not getting enough, you know, that I can show too, because my body language, like if you're telling me something and maybe I like sit back and cross my arms, that might affirm to you that like, yeah, this is weird. Like I can even read your body language that validates for me that what I was going through was a weird experience or if I, you know, whatever my body language and how I respond to what you're telling me also communicates to you. So there's like a big divide in that part of like not being able to have that. And at the same time, 
my caseload is still pretty high and there's still people coming because we just have to do the best we can right now. Yeah. I think you have to learn how to just like pivot. It's like, Hey, this is how we have to do it. And I think as a, as a, as somebody who sees a therapist at the very beginning, I was like, I don't know if I could do it virtually. And now I love it. I don't, I really, I don't, I do feel like I am missing some of the like personal things about it, but like, I also, I'm still happy that I'm doing it. So I'm not like, Oh, this is a waste of my time. Yeah. Because I started seeing, I started seeing my therapist in February of last year. So I had two sessions in person and then COVID happened. Oh my God. So Basically I've been doing therapy virtually for almost a year. Yeah. And, or over a year. And it's like, wait, how do, you know, I I almost forget what it was like to be there. Um, I've actually never met, which we already talked about before we started, but I also am seeing my own therapist for what I think is like six to eight months now. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have absolutely no intention of not seeing her, but I've never met her in person. I've never seen her office. I I started seeing her virtually. So Yeah, it's weird. It's like such a a different experience. And I, for the longest time was like, well, I'm not going to like do up an office at home. You know, I'm not what, I'm not going to be here that long. And now my office at home looks like my office would in person. And, um, I think that's important too, to like have a space when it comes to working from home. And this might be like kind of a different, you know, topic or idea, but, I think it's so important and like the biggest thing that I learned about working from home, especially doing therapy. And again, I know other professions have their own, you know, baggage and different things that come with it, but therapy specifically, like I need to leave work at work. You know, I need to have a really hard session with someone and then make dinner from it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, and it's hard to do that a lot of times and it was much easier being in the office because I could leave it at work. And I was finding that I had such a hard time. Like literally I I have a session, a client is in tears, hysterical crying. And then I just have to like put a load of laundry in. Like it's weird. It was weird at first. And that's why I really do like my office now. I've also, my office has been in every single room of this house, by the way. I don't know if you moved around a lot, but, um, I was just making like makeshift offices, like a triage, like a war zone. Like this is where we're going to put it. Yeah. Uh, It was a mess for a long time. And now that I've like established, (laughs) like there are things on the wall, like it is my office. It is Mm -hmm. the office. And like, even today, like I'm sitting in my dining room because my office is my office and that's where I do work. And if I'm not working, I can't be in there. Yeah. Not, I I shouldn't say I can't be in there, but I. You're choosing to not be in there. Consciously choose not to be in there because that's like my, my space to be a therapist. Yeah. And everywhere else in my home, I almost started to feel like my home was like being contaminated by work because I was like if I'm working at my dining room table and then eating dinner, like when did I stop work and start eating? Like yeah. there has to be working from home, that super, super strong divide between like, this is where I work and this is where I, I do everything else because it did just feel like, well, where do I relax now? Where yeah. do I have fun now? And, and in the heat of the quarantine, 
everything was in your house. So it was like, which zone of my house? Totally separate topic, but I know you've watched the home edit. Home edit. When you said zone, I was like, home edit. (laughs) Totally different topic. But like, which zone of my house is for fun? Which zone of my house is for work? Which zone of my house is for relaxing and winding down? And do you have the books, by the way? I don't, but I, I, I need to them. get it. I feel like I need to get them. You need to come here and you need to just look <laughs> at them and get what you need. Like they're here for you because I love I, lo- I, that was also something. I feel like that came on Netflix during all of this, but. Um, oh yeah. I home edited my whole house 12 times. Yeah, exactly. Frank's like, where do we put the towels now? Where are they? And I'm like, uh, today they're here. In the towel labeled. It's box. everything's labeled. My it's whole closet. zone. My whole closet, I made this poor man go to Target with me a hundred times. I'm like, we need baskets. We need clear, you know, clear bins. bins. I need to be able to see everything. I'm getting rid of 47,000 pieces of clothing. And he's And like, then he walks in and you're like in a war zone because yeah. you have to take it all out. You have to take it all out. You have to see what you have. He's like, no. you are. I mean, my bookshelf, <laughs> you can't really tell, but like, because there's, it's bursting. It if you see that it's just bursting. It is bursting. It is color-coded. I was just about to say, but it is coordinated. By but color. I will say I coordinated my, not that like I invented this obviously, but I coordinated my bookshelves by color before the home edit, just because I liked the way it looked. But what about and by then, size, by color? Did you do that too? I didn't do it by size because I like this. I actually <laughs> like the way that looks um, because obviously like books are, my love language. So like, I, I appreciate all shapes and sizes. Um, but when the home edit came out and they were like color code, everything, I was like, Oh, am I doing something right? That's not, well, and my, okay, this is just, I'm getting a little, I'm spiraling, but my closet has always been color coded always. Um, and that's just because I clearly have issues, but I liked the idea of like, if my, you know, here's all my green and my blue and my red or whatever the colors are. So if I was going to pick out a blue shirt, like I have on today, I know that tomorrow I won't pick the blue one because I know where I wore it. So now I go to the next color. Like genius. No, it's, (laughs) it's the reason I'm in therapy among other reasons why I'm in therapy. Part of the reason I'm I'm in therapy. I'm like, you can't wear a blue shirt two days in a row. (laughs) I'll put, put you in jail for that. What kind of person are you? What kind of monster are you wearing blue more than once? Oh, uh, I have, I, it was more like when I was like actually working, like in the, like in the school, like knowing what I wore. So it's like, okay, you wore blue yesterday. Like don't, you know, cause I would, if it were up to me, I'd wear the same outfit, you know, once okay. a week. I wish yeah. I had a uniform. Yeah, me too. Literally we, there was like an idea thrown around um, when COVID when we were like gonna go back to work and it was like how do you guys feel about wearing scrubs and I was like feel a little weird about it but also I wouldn't have to figure out what I'm wearing right I could just like, wear scrubs every day I, I could do that fingers. it didn't work out some teachers did it because they felt like it was safer that way but I was also like I I have been wearing sweatpants for or like yoga pants for eight months like I yeah. can I can wear something else Um, like talk about a divide and body language and what you're communicating like if you walked into school in scrubs what would the kids feel? that's why I was against it because I was like I think that that would be like the kids would feel afraid 
Yeah. They would feel afraid. If their teachers not weren't afraid, then like if they're older, they might not be like little kids, scared. Yeah. I think older kids just like tension. Yeah. This is not safe. That and, and that's we want I personally was like, they need to feel comfortable being here. Otherwise, what's the point? So like we were, you know, they had said scrubs and I was like, I just don't think that's the message I want to send across. Like and for what reason? I was like, guys, I'm not going to like take my shirt and rub it against my face. Like the the COVID's not going to get me in that. And like, I was, when I would come home from work, I would change anyway, because like, I want to wear this. Like, I don't want to wear my like real clothes as soon as I'm home. How dare you even like jeans? Minute I come home, minute I come home. Anybody who relaxes in jeans, I don't want that in my life never heard of that. Like I have people in my life that are like, you know, they like to dress up all the time, you know, heels, skirts, dresses a hundred times, you know, a hundred percent of the time. And then they're like, yeah, these are my like relaxing jeans. And I'm like, I've never heard of those before. I don't know what that means. Like I, I don't even want to wear jeans like on an airplane. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a person that I know I work with her best dressed person I know in, in my life. Like she is, she reminds me of, um, I don't remember the character's name, like in the devil wears Prada, like that mm-hmm. person, you know what I mean? Like she came to my wedding and I was afraid she was going to look better than me because oh. she's so well-dressed. I was like, what are you going to wear? Can you just let me know? And she just was like, let me know what you're what? wearing. And I'm, like, and I'm like, just, I need to know. Are, are you we like dressing up? Are you going to wear white? I just, you know, <laughs> let me know. And she was like, what? So she said, she's very, um, poised. She was a ballerina. She's very poised. Um, and she's like, oh, uh, I, you have to wear, um, you know, like a nice outfit when you get on a plane and you have to, and I was like, when you mean nice, do like, you mean like old Navy sweatpants? yoga pants and like a really cute, like sweatshirt. And she was like, I won't even wear like sneakers. Like she, like she, I, and I, and I, she's a fantastic educator and I, and I have so much respect for her, but I'm also like, what do you wear to sleep? Yeah. Do you wear formal wear? One of those like silk matching sets. Yeah, I just feel like I oh I picture her in like a long nightgown that like has a train. Yeah, the rope trim. Right. And I'm also and I have like the pizza sauce stained shirt from when I was twelve. I still wear I still wear a t-shirt that I got at a Spice Girls concert when I was five years old. Because there was nothing to fit a five-year-old at the yeah. concert. So my mom just got me like something a that never fits yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And it has a hole like this big in it yeah. under the arm. I refuse to get rid of it. But um same though. And that's like if I wear a shirt to bed. Right. <laughs> just, like I don't that that's the thing. Like sometimes uh like now at work we can wear like we we can dress pretty casually, you know, jeans or whatever. And she's never done this. And here I walk into work and like my jeans, my this, my sneakers. And she's right. probably like, what is wrong with you? What homeless shelter did you crawl out of? And I'm just, <laughs> and here I'm thinking like, I'm so cute. I walk in and she's literally in like four inch heels and a dress. And and I'm like, the COVID didn't All get you. Power to her. Yeah. All the power Seriously. To her. I mean, I just want to, I would love to be a fly on the wall in her closet because yeah. I've known her for six years. I have never seen her repeat an outfit. The part, there's a part of me that also is kind of envious of like, wow, like I wish I had that energy to look that good all the time. Like you're lucky if I put makeup on for work, like, yeah, I'm not doing it. This is like, this is what you're getting. Well, it's funny before we came on here. I, you know, I got a 
whatever, 7.30-ish this morning. And I don't know if it's allergies or just like being tired, but like my whole face was like swollen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, I was like looking at myself, like Lindsay knows what I look like. She's seen me in worse condition. Um, I'm also not putting makeup on on, on a Saturday. I don't wear, like, I feel like makeup has become a luxury in my life. Yeah. Oh my God. It has to be very important for me. I, so I, when I'm at work, now that I'm at work, you know, I'm wearing a mask. So I literally am just like from here up is like, you know, like mascara, the whole thing. That's it. And then yesterday we were going out and I was like, I like took out my like, you know, foundation and my blush, my bronzer. And I was like, Hmm, it's like a science experiment. What to do here. It's like what brush and concealer. And I'm like, wow. Like, like, hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) I know. I remember the first time I put makeup on like quarantine edition. And I really was like, which brush do I use? Or not even, not even forgetting, but just like, why am I, I think I realized like, not that it's like, you don't need it because like, yeah, I need it, but it's like, I, it's a choice. Like, I don't want to, Yeah, no, I just don't want to. So I wanted to ask you, um, since, you know, you did just mention that you are seeing a therapist. Yeah. I have so many questions about that. And I, I, you know, if I am getting too personal, just tell me to kick rocks, but like when you are, so as a therapist, mm-hmm. how did you know, or when did you make the decision of like, I now need my own? Because like, I think that there'd be strength in knowing like I can help other people, but I can't help myself in the same way that another person could help me. Yeah. But so like, how did you make that decision of like, so I think my question is, how did you make the decision of I need to with not, you don't need to tell me the reasons that you're going to therapy, obviously, yeah. but like, how did you decide, like, I need somebody else? And also I'm always interested because I know, you know, I think everybody should have a therapist. I just think everybody should see somebody or speak to somebody regardless of what your life is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the, the biggest problem because a lot of people are like, I don't need therapy because other people have bigger problems than me. And I'm like, that's not the point. That's not the point. At so all. I think, so that, so how did you decide you needed to speak to somebody knowing that you are also in the same profession? And then do you sometimes feel, this is just a question that I have. I'm so curious about this. Do you sometimes feel that when you are in a session with your therapist, that you um, can't totally like be Lindsay, the person, and you have to have to like say the right thing. And because you know what that, per- what, what your therapist is looking for, like the answer, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because sometimes I, as, and I'm not a therapist, but I think sometimes when I'm in a session with a therapist, with my therapist, I'm like, um, all right, this is what I want to say, but I also know this is what she wants me to say. And like, it's like yeah. the devil angel. Um, and she's, she'll call me out on it. She's like, are you like thinking like, oh, I can't tell the therapist this. And I'm like, yeah, damn, you got me. I- I think it's a little bit different for me, but I guess the short answer is yes, I do experience that. But in a way of like, I feel like I need to say to my therapist, like, I know that that's a cognitive distortion. I know that I should be using this skill. I know that I should be, like, I have to really like rationalizing her, like, it. Yeah. I have to sometimes remind her or not that I have to remind her. I feel like I have to remind her like, Yes, I know what the skills are, but I'm not doing that for myself right now. So I do have that weird, like, 
wow, like why, why did I just run a group telling people how to do this? And And now now I'm like a hypocrite. I'm sitting here and I'm not doing it myself. So yeah, I do. I don't necessarily feel like I can't say certain things, but then again, there are times which we like kind of were talking about before too, where like I have gotten very comfortable with my therapist and like, I'll know that I need to talk about something, but it's more convenient to like talk about my wedding that week. Uh, 1000% yes. I have serious, like serious trauma that I need to be talking about, but I'm like, can I tell you what so-and-so did at work? And and my therapist will indulge me. She'll be like, yeah, because she knows I'm not ready to like dive into that, you know, that heavy thing that day. But sometimes she'll be like, hey, I'm hearing that you're talking about what this person at work did, but I also think that this is because of this trauma that you're refusing to acknowledge. Right, right, (laughs) right. Exactly. Okay. So I'll do that to myself sometimes. Like this literally just happened. Like this week I had a really good session. It was like, we really like dove into some serious stuff. And I knew that that was going on last week, but I spent my entire hour talking about like the things that I bought for my wedding that week. And Mm -hmm. it's like, why, you know, why do you do that sometimes? I don't know, but I think it's just nice to have that person there anyway, that maybe that week you weren't like, you weren't even caught up to being able to talk about that or process that. And then it comes out next week. And that's the beauty of like having that person every week. Um, You see yours once a week. Yeah. I see her every Friday. So it's nice. It's like, maybe I'm not ready that day, but then I know she's going to be there next Friday and I could bring it back up. But I think there's so much comfort in that, um, you know, in knowing that it's coming, like there's so much, I I look forward to therapy. I literally, even if I have nothing that on my mind, like, like consciously that I want to talk about, because sometimes I'm like, what are we going to talk about this week? And then when we get on, it's just like, it's so seamless. And I think, um, so going back, like, when did you realize like, Hey, I think it's time for me. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously everybody went through a lot during the pandemic. Like there were just like crazy things going on and everybody's family experienced a lot of different things, but Right. Um, Of course. You know, there was just a lot that happened during the pandemic, both like, you know, for everybody and for my family specifically. And it got to the point where like, I was almost running and I never did, but I was running groups and we'd have like these process portions of group. And I'm almost like, when is it my turn? Do Mm. I get there? Like in the group with my clients. And I'm like, Oh God, like, like there's a level of like disclosure and transparency that's healthy to have with your clients. And I don't, I can confidently say I've never crossed what I thought was like, okay. Yeah. But when I started like having that urge where I was like, wow, like I can relate to what you're talking about directly. Like, and I feel the need to want to share about it to where I was like, Hmm, I think I need my own time because I I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was just, I was like, almost, I almost felt like I was a part of the group. And I think, it's, but I think it's really easy to do that. I think we, and we had talked about this when you have a good relationship with your therapist, the yeah. lines get so blurred that yeah. it's like, 
you, you want to share and you want, and it's almost like it's becomes almost like a budding friendship. And you're like, wait, 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 hold on. Like, this is not appropriate. And I think, you know, you being in this profession, being able to realize like, I want to share, but this is not the room. This is not the place. The last place to do it. And I think that, you know, and going into that, like you as the therapist needing or wanting to see your own therapist, Mm -hmm. can you speak about the, or, you know, touch upon the stigma against seeing a therapist in general, like Mm -hmm. people who are like, Oh no, 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 I can't, or I don't want to, or I don't know how to navigate that. And it's like, well, listen, like for me, it being my profession and also knowing in a personal way because of X, Y, Z going on, I need to see somebody like, can you touch upon or speak on like people who the stigma against going to therapy and how that experience has been for you as a therapist and now also seeing a therapist? Yeah, I think, um, and you mentioned this before for, you know, what are we in short supply of, or what are we, what do we need more of both like as individuals and as a society? And I think the stigma isn't about seeing a therapist. I think the stigma is being vulnerable. Like nobody has ever taught us. No, I shouldn't say nobody has ever, but for generally speaking, generally speaking, like emotions, being vulnerable, feeling sad, feeling anxious. Like these are things that we just don't talk about. Like, so being vulnerable. Yeah. When you're younger, it's like, don't cry. And like, you're up. Yeah, put a smile on. You're a big girl. Um, like, how do you know? Yeah, you're a big girl now. Like, yeah, put on like, your big girl pants. Like, or like, yeah, like, I, I mean, I grew up with a tough love. So it was like, yes. suck it up. Yes, suck, it, suck up. it up. Suck it up. Tough love, which, like, I think is so normal for I our think, society. And I think, and our, like, you know, our parents did the best with what they could. Yeah. Like, and I, you know, being now, I think my parents, especially my dad and I love him. And, you know, I have, you know, I have the most respect for my father, but it's like yeah, telling my dad, like, no, I think I'm depressed and him being like, but come on, what is that? Stop it. Right. Exactly. And he's like, that's a choice. You have to just be happy. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm cured. Thanks dad. Like, you know what I mean? Even like that example too, like you could even argue like that's your dad's issue or, you know, issue with being vulnerable with your child. Like, wow, I'm really sorry to hear you're feeling that way. Like I'm upset for you. Yeah. Parents feel the need to like, no, you're okay. Like you're up. And I think, you know, he grew up extremely poor. He grew up, you know, coming into this country when he was a teenager and learning and navigating and seeing his parents be sick. And then he had to be the caregiver. And there's, there's so many layers to it that it's like, he had to suck it up. He had to be tough. He couldn't be vulnerable because he became a caretaker for his parents and and sisters when he was 18 years old. Like, so for me, who he gave us every, the best that he could. And he, you know, we had a beautiful life. It's like, what do you have to be sad about? You know what I mean? And I I don't, I, I, I'm able to recognize, like, I get it. I get why he would feel that way now. But back then it was like, what? (laughs) Right. And I think there is like, again, comes back to vulnerability. Like I meet with families and parents alone all the time. And like the biggest fear is like, why is my kid like this? Like, did Mm -hmm. I do something wrong that now my kid is depressed? Did I do something wrong that now my kid 
it's struggled so with impulse control and that's getting vulnerable, like feeling like you need to hold yourself accountable in some way, feeling like you could have done something, potentially done something wrong that like now your kid is struggling. You'd rather be able to just say to your kid, um, cheer up. You're okay. Yeah. And then be like, oh, my mom said I'm okay. Like, great. I'm okay. Mm. That's not how it works though. Not, and that's not, that's not life. That's not life at all. And I think that that's just like, when it comes to, I forget how I got here, but like being in short supply. Oh, um, the the stigma. stigma. I don't think it's necessarily about seeing a therapist because then once you see a therapist, you're like, oh, I want to tell everybody. This is great. Everybody needs a therapist, but being vulnerable enough to say, I need to talk to somebody. I'm struggling feels so taboo because Mm -hmm. our society is so like, poo poo you're struggling like get over it like look at me burning myself out at work being the best mother to my kids and the best wife and doing fun things and posting it all over social media which is like another conversation but like how dare you who are you so vulnerable and emotional like get out of here right so um I think it's the stigma is like just generally around vulnerability and like, we don't know how to talk about emotions. We don't know how to, to dive into that at all. So it's just weird. And people are like, Oh, that's weird. No, I'm not, yeah, doing, like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't like yeah. that. Until you do it. And then Until you're like, you do it, and then you're like, oh, God. like everybody. And that's the thing. Like, I think years ago, if people were seeing a therapist, it was like, I'm seeing a therapist. <laughs> Now it's like, let me tell you what happened in my session. Like, yeah. I have no problem. I mean, like there are boundaries. Like I would never tell like my students that I see a therapist, but of like, course. yeah, but like there, I have no problem being like in a, in a social setting being like, oh yeah. So when I was in therapy the other day and sometimes I'll do it and people will be like, you know, they look at me and I'm like, what, what, what's, what's the, the problem? problem? Yeah. Like, did you go to the doctor yesterday? Because you had a right. headache. I went to the doctor yesterday because I have a heartache. Like, right. Your mental health thing. is like the powerhouse mm-hmm. of the rest of your health. And you just, you just gave me like flashbacks to like science class, like the mitochondria is the, power the powerhouse. Of the <laughs> but it's, it's so true. true. It's so true. And I think too, it's like people are, there's a lot of people who genuinely are like afraid to talk about themselves or like have the spotlight on them. So I think it's intimidating for a lot of people to think like, for an hour, I have to talk about myself. Yeah, Like a lot of people don't want to do that, yeah. surprisingly enough, because I <laughs> I'm like, that sounds it. fantastic. What do you mean? Yeah, I'm like I could really use an hour to talk about myself. But um, yeah, a lot of people are just turned off by that idea. So they're like, well, if this person is going to ask me about my childhood and my life, like, which it isn't always. And that's kind of like finding the right therapist for you is mm-hmm. so crucial because there might be a therapist who says all of about 10 words all session and it is on you to talk about yourself and talk about your childhood and your this and your that and your emotions. And then there might be a therapist who it feels like you're talking to a friend. Yeah. So I think people get very turned off and I can't blame them for like if they have a moment of that vulnerability and they do see a therapist and it's just not the right one for them, they're like, well, I tried it. It sucked. And it maybe it did suck. Like, I had a really horrible experience, but this is going back when we were in college. Yeah. Um, I was like, I need to see somebody. And I remember finding someone, 
around my, you know, where I was living at home and she was terrible. And she said, horrible, you know, and listen, like there's good teachers, there's bad teachers, there's good therapists, you know what I mean? Like, and she just, we didn't vibe and I'm sure she helped other people very well. But for me, I was like, I don't, I don't think this is, this is for me. And then something that I think a lot of people don't take advantage of that they should. And I am glad that I did colleges offer free counseling services. And when I was in such a bad place for those couple of years, when we were in school, I don't even think I, did you know that I was seeing somebody when we were in school? I think at the the college, like I would see somebody once a week. Oh, um, at the college. At Caldwell, at Caldwell. Yeah. I don't think I told anybody, but like, you know, I think that I can look back and, and, and understand why I had such a hard time when we were in school and everything felt so hard. And I felt like I had to put on a, a, you know, a strong face or if I did fail and I, you know, made mistakes or whatever, like people, I, I, you know, I felt like there was just something wrong with me. And then going, I, I hit a breaking point and I saw there was just a person that worked in the college and, you know, they, they always advertised it and maybe advertised it is the wrong word, but they were always like, there is counseling ghosts, you know, if you need it. And I did, and it was in the building where the gym was, if you remember. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I know exactly where it was. Yeah. yeah. And I was, you know, that's something that like, I wish everybody took advantage of when they were in school, because it gives you the feeling of, Hey, talking about what's going on especially in college when like you have so many things happening at once where it's like, Hey, you need to be getting ready for your career. And you have all of these classes and you're probably working part-time and you're also dealing with some personal stuff. Like the social, yeah, you're, you're trying to fit in. You're trying to figure out how to cohabitate with people. Like, so going into that, like I took advantage of that and I, and it's so unlike me to do that back then. Like, I feel like I'm still surprised that I did that. Yeah. Um, but I also think that because of the experiences that we went through in school, like I had to, there was like no choice. Um, it's kind of like that fight or flight. Like you say, you were yeah. surprised you did it. Like you were responding to something that your body was like, it was bigger than you and yeah. your body was just telling you like, this isn't even an option. Like, right. And I, and I think, you know, I think back and it's like, I, 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 w- I could get a little critical about the way that I was in college because I feel like, um, you know, and I think I can look back on it now and realize what it was, but like, there were times where like, I wouldn't go get out of bed or I wouldn't go to class or I would just not go to work. Like I would skip out on my, you know, my Harmon's shift. Mm-hmm. And so like not getting out of bed, not going to class, not. And it's like, I didn't realize that that was, that was depression. And I just thought of it as like laziness and like how it manifested itself. And like, I would, I literally, I, I think about it. Like I wouldn't, just, I would not get out of bed all day long when we were in school. And it's like, what, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, so I think you're right. I think it's bigger than, than you, but you know, with that being said, like, and I don't remember how we got here, but, um, thinking back to like, or thinking about seeing a therapist or being vulnerable and, and not get having one that's right for you. I think this is how we got here. What, you know, what advice do you give people who are, thinking about starting to see someone seeing words are very hard um starting to think about seeing a therapist and they don't know how to start yeah 
So I have wonderful advice and I've had two water bottles. So I really have to pee, but hold that thought. <laughs> Hopefully you can cut that out. If not, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Yep. You're good. Hi, hi, hi guys. How's everybody doing? Great. And they're like, what's your problem? And I'm like, I, nothing, nothing. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Really bad. I'm just like, but, I'm just um, cutting. so we were saying about advice. So when you, how do you know, like when you get to that point, how do you know what to do in that point? And I think it, you know, still there's a lot to be said about like whether you're confident in going to see a therapist, um, there's still some like vulnerability and like you still feel a little funny about it. So I think it's important to like have someone in your life who knows that you're seeing a therapist, like Mm -hmm. not that you have to broadcast it to the world, but I think having that personal connection to someone in your life who you know loves and cares about you and supports everything you do and whatever you do, having them know and be a part of the decision-making process could like push you along and push you in the right direction because now, you know, maybe you voice some of your concerns to this person and told them what you want to do and they think it's a good idea too, kind of makes you feel like, okay, yeah, like that's a, that really makes me feel better about this. And I know that it's a good decision. Um, And then I don't know if this was a part of the question, but just like the process of finding a therapist, Mm -hmm. which we did talk about a little bit earlier, but like, just as if you were looking for a dentist that's in network with your insurance, or you're looking for a dermatologist in your insurance or a primary care physician within your insurance, we are covered by insurance. <laughs> I don't think people think that because I've heard know that. so many times, I've heard so many times, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. And I'm like, uh, n- no, like, just like you wouldn't be able to afford, you know, heart surgery out of pocket. Like it's nobody can like, right. That's why there's insurance. Like I didn't even know. I did not even know that I, that my insurance covered therapy yeah. up until like two years ago. Usually it's your specialist fees just yeah. for anybody listening. It's yeah. normally like if you look at your insurance card and you see what your copay is for your primary care versus like an urgent care. And then there's mm-hmm. always a specialist. That's what Typically it is. that's your fee. Sometimes it's less than that though. Like that's the max that usually it will be. Sometimes it is your primary care. Like right now, yeah. currently under my insurance plan, I, I think I'm paying my like primary care coverage. So it's so funny that you say that because I was paying my primary care coverage and then my insurance company for whatever reason, which I'm fine with during COVID they're covering my, well, not just yeah. me, not just me personally, they're covering co-pays for the foreseeable future. So yep. I literally haven't paid for my therapist for a, over a year. Yes. Yep. That's and I'm like, that's, that's why I'm like, everybody should go right now. Yeah. It's so true. They, they did start doing that. A lot of insurance companies that mental health was completely covered and but yeah, I mean, that's all it is. You literally, yeah. I mean, my insurance company has an app. You go on, oh, you awesome. look for, yeah. but what I will say is people are like, okay, well, what do I search? Like, yes. what do I look for? That was like, that's always well, a there's, big there's, there's so many terms. That's why when we started, I'm like, I just want to make sure I give you the right term because there's like psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist, counselor, you know? And so it's just like, it can be daunting. It can be, you know, and then you, you're looking at people's names and you're like, well, how do I pick? Yeah. How do I choose? 
So that being said, I think you kind of have to do like one of, well, both of these things. I think it's easier to look actually on psychology today. Mm -hmm. Psychology today is a website where it's literally, I mean, all throughout the, I don't even know if it's out of the country, but every state in the United States, you just narrow down, um, where you live, your town and yeah. what state you're in. And then you put what you, what you're looking for, but they only give you the option of like psychiatrist or therapist, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people, I, I again, forget that people don't know what the difference is between those things, but a psychiatrist is a, a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, right. is someone who prescribes medication, mm-hmm. went to medical school and just like your, you know, gastro went to med school for the stomach your psychiatrist went to school for the brain. So, right. or I shouldn't say the brain, but for mental health, really. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Neurologist, but anyway. Um, so yeah, you're looking for a therapist or a counselor. You're looking for someone who's um, either an LAC, so a licensed associate counselor, or someone who's an LPC, who's a licensed professional counselor, or... There's also social workers who do clinical work. So you might find a LCSW who's a licensed clinical social worker before they get their hours, just like an LAC. They're an LSW, a licensed social worker. So anyone who's practicing social work in the clinical realm or is an LAC or an LPC is really what you're looking for. But psychology today makes it very easy. I to think that's where I got mine. I think that's why I just, I think you told me to do that. Yeah. That's like the easiest place to find someone. And it's easier to kind of gather some research from that website. And um, chances are they're covered, even if it's out of network benefits, but then to kind of go back and match it up with your insurance. Like, right. Okay, and then a lot of places also offer um, like a sliding scale. Yeah. It's so funny. I was thinking that and I'm like, do other places do that? Or is yeah. that like the overly empathic nature of therapy that we're like, sure, you can't afford this fee. Like we can do less for you. (laughs) What can you afford? There is like, and not every place will do it for you. I've seen it a lot more. I will say I've seen it a lot more. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's something that you decide with the therapist. Like I can't afford this fee. So I'm going to like, they kind of work with you and into what you can afford. Is that, is that how I understand it? It depends on the practice itself. Like if that person's practicing totally independently, it would be between you and that person. It might be between you and like a receptionist, but typically whoever you communicate with, like if you're just like, Hey, I'm curious about, you know, pricing, is there any flexibility a lot of times they will work with you and find something that works. Or if you're like, I can do like a lump sum, pay for the month, like if whatever, you know, so they're, they're flexible. And I I think like when you go to your primary care, like there's no questions, like you pay your copay. Like, I think people don't understand that about mental health too, that like they are so willing to work with you financially. It doesn't look this. They want you to, they want you to be there. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's, and I I think that that's something that I've realized too, as a client or as a patient of like, they're, we're all on the same side. Yeah. I think that um, sometimes there's a lot of power that's put into people who wear a white coat. You know what I mean? So it's like, you feel like you can't 
say certain things or, you know, you get rushed through an appointment, um, you know, oh, I'm feeling this symptom. When you go to your regular doctor, like I'm feeling this symptom and they're like, oh, okay, just, it's fine. And you're like, okay, it's fine. Like you don't, you don't ask those questions where I think on the opposite, that car alarm is still going off, by the way. I just want to really, I can't hear it. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been about what, two hours. Yeah. Um, so the, um, with, with therapy, it's like, no, I want you to be completely honest about how you're feeling emotionally as well as physically. And like, I'm not going to just dismiss your feelings or your symptoms. Like Mm -hmm. there's no rushing. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had to go to a doctor and I'm like, I need to ask these questions, but they rush to get out of the appointment that I'm like, oh, well, I'll, next time I'll say what I wanted to say next time. Whereas yeah. it's such a different experience. I think people are hesitant with in that regard as well. Yeah. Um, where it's just like, oh, uh, you know, if I had a headache for six months, like I would see somebody. Yeah. You know, and where it's like, you know, if, but you know, you're dealing with this one thing or a couple of things or an issue. And it's like, what made me think that I could do that on my own? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not until you talk it out with somebody and you get that validation from a therapist, like, do you hear what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Like, do you hear what you're sharing with me? And that's not normal. Right. Like not to feel like you're like some freak, but like, it's not (laughs) like, it's not the typical, it's not expected of you is what I meant by that. Not that it's not normal, but what you went through and what you're experiencing was never and is not expected of you. And that's why you're here. You You could never handle that on your own. Right. So people who are, um, maybe not in therapy right now or don't have the tools or the the resources to get themselves, you know, into that space in this environment of COVID and, and with this, such a, um, such a, uh, you know, an awareness right now of mental health, what are some tips or, or what are some good habits that people can, from your perspective, that people can implement in their lives now to get themselves into a place of, you know, maybe seeing somebody or maybe just having more of a, being more in tune with, with themselves. So what are some, if you can share, like, what are some habits that you think everybody should be kind of implementing in their lives, either in big ways or or small, you know, daily habits, things like that? Yeah. And I think it is like a lot of it comes down to daily habits and how we spend our time. And like we just said, something like going to work, we didn't realize how important that was for Mm -hmm. us. And we almost took for granted what it was like to go to work. So I always work with like clients on building healthy habits and routines and like you just know how you feel, right? When I wake up five minutes before I need to log into a Zoom call, I feel like shit most of that day, right? Versus if I make a healthy routine of waking up an hour before my workday starts so that I can eat breakfast, I can sit and have my coffee, I can just not do anything for 20 minutes, like building healthy routines that make us feel good. And maybe a healthy routine for somebody is waking up 10 minutes before their workday starts. And that's great for them, right? But listening to your body and like, understanding like, okay, why did I feel like crap today? Um, maybe it's because I, I woke up five minutes before my day was supposed to start. How can I change that? And that just comes back to like having a good routine, having a good relationship. And this is going to sound silly, but like we talked about how they're all connected and like your mind body connection, but like 
having a good relationship with food, having a good relationship with sleep, having a good relationship with exercise. Like not that you have to be a bodybuilder, but if you could get out and walk for 10 minutes a day, you'd be doing yourself a favor. And physiologically, like you will feel different. Yeah. You will feel different about yourself and about your situation. And I understand too that like taking a 10 minute walk isn't the answer to our childhood traumas. Like that's not the answer, but might it get you in a place like you said before, might it get you in a place to say like, Hey, you know what? I have even the slightest bit more motivation. Like maybe I am ready to talk to somebody, but Mm -hmm. it really comes back to like physical, like physically taking care of our bodies and taking care of you know, those things and how it really does translate to your mental health. Like think about a day where you wake up early and you feel refreshed and you eat healthy, healthier. Yeah. 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 Right. And you, maybe you do go for a little walk, you get some fresh air, even if you don't go for a walk, but you get fresh air that day, you get outside, you open the windows, like you feel the sunshine, like so many physical things to make up a healthy routine for yourself are so crucial to just like feeling a little bit lighter and brighter. Mm -hmm. So I feel like healthy routines for your day, especially now that we are all home and, you know, hopefully that's going to be changing soon. But, um, you know, I had like such a routine in the morning of like opening up my blinds, like going and having my coffee outside when I was able to like, taking, you know, Zoe on a walk on my lunch break to just get some fresh air and get out of the house. Um, you know, if you sit and think about it, like, you know, what makes your body feel good, you know, what, what makes you feel like you had a good day versus what makes you feel like maybe you had a crap day and like listening to your body and actually following through for yourself, I think puts you in position. I think also it's worth saying too, like, you know, doing all of those things to, to listen to your body. And I think sometimes listening to your body feels like rest. And I think when we think about good habits, we only think about being productive. We Mm -hmm. only think about eating the salad or waking up an hour early or drinking all the water or going outside, all amazing things. But I think sometimes listening to your body and what's going to feel good sometimes is like allowing yourself to rest. And that's something that I struggle with. Like, my husband said this morning, he's like, oh, can't wait to do nothing today. Like, that's what he wants. He wants to do, and his do nothing is like work out and, you know, but still like watch an episode of this or play a video game or, or watch a movie or whatever. Like he fully allows himself to rest. To do nothing. And I have the same battle. And with I'm like, I'm like, what? and my answer was, oh Yeah. Uh, but we have to like straighten up the living room. I have to do a load of laundry. I have to make the bed. I have, I have to record this episode. I've got, you know, the dishwasher needs to be run. And he's like, that sounds like things to do. And in my mind, I'm like, no, that's that's nothing. And I've talked about this so much and I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but it's like, I think I've, or we, as people, like, I think it's more women to be honest, you know, in my personal opinion, like we are always like, rest is not a thing. Like we need to go, 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 go. And in this time, especially in the last few weeks, I've been like, what does rest actually look like for me? Like, what are you like? Stop. Just like stop. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because we look at wellness as 
as as a as a like a as a tangible thing. Like mm-hmm. I will be well if I do this. Like if I'm yeah. doing these things, where it's like no, sometimes wellness is just being. Yeah. Like just sit down. Like my problem today, telling you, I have no plans after we hang up this call. None. Nothing to do. Mm-hmm. I'm looking outside. It's become a beautiful day. When I woke up, it did not look that like this. You know. I'm looking out the window and I'm going, if you don't get out there today, it's going to be a waste. Yeah. Already. I'm like giving myself conditions of like, you can rest after you do something outside. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think you're right in like creating good habits, but also like, you know, it's not going to be, um, linear. Like, it's not just like, this is what you do. Like, no, it's, it's a, it's a process. Right. And I think I've learned that even for myself too, like, you know, we hear exercise. It's so good for you. It's good for your body. It's good for your mental health. And I I have like started to create a good relationship with what exercise looks like for me and, and what I'm happy with. And in the past, I used to hold myself to those conditions of like, you have to work out this day at this time. If you don't wake up early to work out, you might as well just not do it at all. Right. And I'm like creating this this relationship of like, you know what, if I'm tired in the morning, I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to sleep in and I'll do my workout after dinner. Yeah. And that's incredible versus a time in the past where I would just be like, well, if I didn't wake up early, then what's the point of working out after dinner? Yeah. And it's like, do you, do you hear that? Like, it's it's what do you mean? Well, that's how I feel about the time of workout. So it's like, I used to hold myself to the standard of if you don't work out for at least an hour, then it's not working out. And now thinking about that, I'm like, what? Because I can do, you know, we have the, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have, not only we like have Frank built like a, a gym in our garage. Like it's like, you know, we have all of the things we need. We also are fortunate to have a Peloton and we have the app that goes with the Peloton and like mm-hmm. they have killer workouts that are 10 minutes long. And yeah. I'm like, Hey, guess what? That was still, that was still a workout. workout or you don't need to be like sweating and panting and, and like on the verge of like needing your inhaler in order right. for it to be exercise, go right. for a 15 minute walk or stretch. Or I think there's, we have it in our minds of like exercise or working out needs, needs to mean something specific for, for us. Like, and yeah. that could be for somebody else. Like that means yoga. It's only yoga. For me, it's like, it has to be like heavy panting, disgusting, you know, needing to shower. Sweating. Like, yeah. And, and especially because like, I came from that background of like boot camp, and then I weight lifted for all those years. And like, now I've had to totally, totally rewire my brain of like, what is, what makes you feel good after it's done? Yep. That's, I think that's what I think a lot of people, but myself personally, like that's what I struggle with, like still figuring out, you know, good habits and and wellness and healthy, but like, it doesn't look the same for everyone. And it doesn't look the same every day. Thank you. Like every day looks different too. And I think that's when we say like checking in with yourself and how am I feeling today? Like what, what are a variety of things that I know make me feel good, whether it's exercising, going for a walk, watching a movie, allowing mm-hmm. myself to sit on the couch and watch a movie. What do I need today to feel good? And do it doesn't need to be everything. It doesn't need to be, right. you know, a checklist that you follow. Yeah. Before. I think you're absolutely right. Um, okay. I'm getting, you know, we, a couple more things and then I can let you go. Um, I'm just curious and, and you don't have to answer this. If you don't want to. 
as, as this is your profession, do you feel like it bleeds into your personal life or sometimes you're like, am I analyzing what you're saying or am I just listening to what you're saying? Or like, mm-hmm. do you feel the need to help people constantly, even if it's unwarranted? <laughs> yeah, I think like, I think I do have this need to like, if I see somebody who needs some kind of help, I do feel like I have to like be the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I think it's funny, like the way it bleeds into my personal life is more so that people come to me for like, how do I do this? What do I do with that? Or, or how do I find a therapist? Like, I'm really struggling with this. Like, I thought maybe you could help. And like, I think it bleeds in my personal life because people feel like they can talk to me about that, or at least ask me questions about how to get themselves set up. So I think it bleeds in that way, which I'm always happy to help with. And even that I need to like create my own boundaries in like, if I had a long day and somebody like needs a lot from me maybe I can help them tomorrow or whatever. But I think it bleeds in that way of like people now see you as like this resource, which is great. Like if you have a friend who's a hairstylist, like wonderful. Now you get your hair done. Like if you have a friend who's a mechanic, like now your car can be worked on. So it's great that you're there for, for people in that way. So I like being that person. That's good. I mean, I think I, you can, you can do it and you can feel that in a couple of ways. Like it can get impatient of like, Oh, like I'm not working right now. And like, I can't always be that person. And then also have it like with grace and be like, okay, like I can help you. I want to help you, but tomorrow. Yeah. absolutely. And the world will continue to, to, you know, spin around. Um, okay. Any goals for the future in your, in, in this profession? Are you feeling like you have big plans? Are you kind of just taking it one day at a time? Yeah. You know, it's so funny because more recently, and I, again, even just said this, boy, I had a big conversation with my fiance last night, but really I just was saying this to him yesterday and last night, like recently over the last couple of months, like, I feel like I'm at a place that I always wanted to be at. And it's so interesting. Like when you sit back and you're like, wow, like here I am like, Mm -hmm. wow, just wow. Like I'm fully licensed. I'm a professional counselor now, as opposed to when I was still under supervision. And, uh, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, like, it's kind of like that burnout rate in those more Mm -hmm. intensive programs, um, for a lot of counselors is intense. So, you know, eventually working your way towards, more outpatient once a week, like less crisis kind of things is for a lot of counselors, like the dreams who eventually like be there and just kind of see your clients once a week and everybody's okay. Um, And that's like the direction I'm shifting in right now. And this is like where I want it to be. Like when people think of a therapist, they think of you're in the office and your therapist is on the couch and you're laying on the couch. And you know, in maybe there's not a couch to lay on, but like, that's where I'm at right now of just like seeing these clients who really want to be there, who really want the help, who really need the help and who really, (coughs) excuse me, like look forward to the sessions. And this is something I was going to bring up before when we were talking about like our own sessions that we have with our own therapists and seeing my own therapist has also taught me a lot about like, 
I see 25 clients a week and I run groups, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, maybe 20 clients a week. I see 20 clients a week and I run my groups and I see all those clients, right? So for me, I have to slow down sometimes and remind myself that like, this isn't just work. This is people's lives, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe for me, this is my 18th hour of the week, but this is your one hour that you get with me. And I need to be very conscious of that because by Friday, sometimes I'm just like, oh, okay, one more client, like just Mm got to get through this one more client. And I have to slow down and tell myself like, they've been looking forward to this all week. Right. This person. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. It, you know what it is and it isn't like, I think there's a whole process of just kind of like getting yourself in the zone and showing up for that person but it comes from having a good balance of like, I'm not feeling burnt out anymore. I'm not feeling, yeah, of course, everybody's tired by Friday, but I'm not feeling this like, ugh, this like yeah. dread of like, yeah. oh my God, how can I get through another hour? Yeah. Like it's just like, I need, to, I need to turn it on. I need to be on when I'm on and I can be on because I'm off more now. Yeah. You know, I'm not working until nine, 10 at night, and then waking up at 6am to like get back on it. You know, I I have so much more balance now that I'm able to show up for them, but awesome. It's taught me like being in therapy myself. Like I look forward to my one hour and I need every minute of it. And I need to remind myself of that and show up for my clients too. But yeah, but this is, I don't know what my goal is. My next goal. I don't know. This is like I feel like I'm kind of just like basking in where I'm at right now. I think that's great. I think, yeah. we, I don't think we do that enough. Totally. So I think you're right. Okay. Last question. And I think you know what it is. And I think, I know that you, uh, you spoke on it before, but what do you think we're in short supply of either you or we, you can yeah. answer both. You can answer neither, you know, one, I don't care. Yeah. So I think, Yeah. Like kind of, like I said before, I think we're all in short supply, even myself included, we're all in short supply of like vulnerable, being vulnerable, but also to like giving ourselves the grace that we deserve and that we need. And like you said, we kind of like wear this as a badge of honor that like, we don't relax. Like we are (laughs) constantly working. We're constantly doing doing something. We're doing, doing, doing like we are in such short supply of giving ourselves the grace as like human beings that we need and we deserve and like slowing down when we need to. And, you know, just trusting ourselves and having confidence. I think we're all in, we spoke earlier too about that. um, Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like we're all in short supply, whether we're ready to admit it or not, but I think a lot of people are in short supply of confidence and just like, feeling self-assured. So I think you're right. And I think, and this, this could be a whole other episode, but I think that that comes from the comparison that we make of others, like going into imposter syndrome, like how could I be confident when I'm seeing this person do this or like, and I think, and again, a whole other episode, but yeah, that's social media. Like the comparison is incredible. Like whether it's somebody, you know, personally, like if I'm on your page or on my page, or like we put these like influencers or, or celebrities or athletes or artists or whatever on these pedestals, because we're getting, we're getting insight into their every moment that we're like, why doesn't my life look like that? Whether it's consciously or subconsciously. So these comparisons are, are being made. And I think you're right. That comes with 
that vulnerability and, and lack of confidence for sure. Well, whether we're acknowledging it or not though, like, and I don't mean to, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but every time you are influenced by social media, you do go buy the, the, the shirt you saw somebody wearing, you do go order the Starbucks drink somebody else had, you do go watch the movie you were recommended. Like there are some wonderful things about social right. media. Or like now you're aware of this issue and you want yeah. to help. Like social media can be a beautiful thing. There could be a good thing, but every time we find ourselves like influenced and then acting or proceeding in a certain way, like there's also some, some negative to that. Like well, I feel like my shirt's not good enough. So I have to go get that shirt so that I can look the way that person looks or I can be who that person is. And I just had, oh, here he comes. Such a slippery slope of social media. Bless you. Sorry, the dog is now here. He's made his entrance. Um, Yeah, he's he's the best. Um, I think you're right. And I, and you know, this is going to be an episode that I'm going to do just solo, but I put a certain, and I don't, you know, I put a certain celebrity or, or person on a pedestal for so many years. And that person just did something that I don't agree with at all. And now I'm like kind of having a breakup with, you know, with that person that I'm like, hold on a second. Like I put so much weight into what she did and how yeah. she worked out and how she had a routine and how she, you know, um, approached this. And I have all the, you know, the apparel and the books and the journals and the, the, and, and it's like, you know, you, you have to have this moment of like, am I, am I putting this person on a pedestal to the point where I'm no longer living my life for me? Or am I, am I just trying to mimic what her life is? Yeah. And so now, and when she did something I don't agree with now, I'm like, well, where do I fall? Mm -hmm. Do I support? How do I do this? Because I just, so much with it and then you're like wait I don't have to do that right like, like I, don't, I don't I just don't I just right. don't that's what I do so it's like that it's it's a tough space but I think you're right I think that comes with vulnerability and confidence because when do you draw the line of like influence versus um you know making your it, own decision yeah and like imitation yeah and I think too I, like when I say confidence I think that can can be misconstrued a little bit I don't mean confidence in the way of like like I'm so full of myself, no. I'm so like self-centered. I mean, confidence that like, we feel okay. like we said before with routines and what makes us feel good. Confidence also means like my body doesn't want to exercise today and my body needs rest. And I feel confident that I made the right decision for myself. Like I feel self, like you can kind of like reassure yourself or like self-assurance. Yeah. So when I say confidence, I think I really mean self-assurance and of course confidence. Yeah. You should feel confident in yourself to some, you should like yourself. You should love yourself. I think what I meant when I said, you said love and I said, like, that's a problem. (laughs) You should love yourself. You should should like them. You should like your person. You should, You should like be okay with each other. Yeah, you should no, kind of look, I, look in the mirror and be like, all right, you're okay. But I think when I said confidence, <laughs> I misspoke. And I really meant like self-assurance and feeling confident that you can take care of yourself and you know what you need and you know yourself best. So Yeah, and I, and you know, I think you're right. Like you're stuck with you for the rest of your life. You might as well pay attention to that person. You might as well kind of like yourself. Yeah, you might as well like tolerate yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's a process, but I think you're right. Well, thank you so much. This was thank like so such much. a great conversation. I say that about every 
every time I have somebody on, I'm like, this was such a great conversation. (laughs) And, but it's true. Like this, I think that, you know, sometimes you can lose sight of the why, like, why am I doing this? And I think that if I think back to why I wanted to start this in the first place is because I wanted to learn to listen to everyone. And I wanted to learn from other people and not think that I had to know all the answers myself. And I think that this conversation was such a breath of fresh air when it comes to, you know, listening to yourself. And also you can listen to yourself until you need someone else to listen to you. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you're doing, you're doing the Lord's work. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. So keep on doing it. Um, thank you so much for coming. And thank uh, you so much for having me. I'm so glad we did this. Me too. Yeah. All right. I'm going to stop recording now so that we can wrap this up. And also so I don't accidentally um, not save this. So <laughs> all right. Let's do that first. Thank you so much for listening to In Short Supply. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod.